and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I, for the last time, for a little bit at least, am Scott Nye. I, for the foreseeable future, am David Bax. Tyler Smith remains on assignment. Uh, Scott, how are you? Uh, this will be a bit of a timestamp, but uh, we're recording this on Thursday, November 5th, uh, so we don't yet know the results of our presidential election. Hopefully, by the time people are hearing this, we will. Uh, so for now, I remain optimistically anxious, uh, but excited for this uh, brief distraction. Ah, yeah, this, that, that's uh, that's pretty much how I'm feeling, too, I guess. Um, I don't know. Work's very stressful today, so that was a good uh, a good distraction, but not a positive one. Is that uh, a good distraction? Yeah, I, I meant uh, it was uh, an effective distraction. There you go. Is what I meant. Um, but uh, the other thing that I did uh, while I was working today to distract myself from the election as I listen to music on my tweaked audio.com earbuds tweaked audio.com. Uh, Scott is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day. Uh, today I was listening to, uh, the, the new album, the fantastic new album from, uh, someone that Scott, I believe you're a fan of, uh, at least in his film scoring work and his non-film scoring work. He goes by the name one Oh tricks point. Never. You might know him is daniel uh lopatan i don't know how you say uh say his name but he has scored the last couple of sashi brothers uh movies and he's got a, a new album out that i think is just called magic one oh tricks point never um and uh co-produced by the weekend people who know me know i'm a big fan of the weekend uh sounded uh great it's a it's a it's a uh, sounded lush and beautiful on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds you could have the same experience if you go to tweakedaudio.com where uh these earbuds are available uh at a low low price but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook, with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. It took me too long to figure out how to pronounce one of the tricks point never. And then by the time I saw his last name, I was like, I'm done pronouncing your name. Uh, <laughs> got me this far. That's all I needed to know. Do yeah, it. no, I, I was, uh, I did, um, uh, I can't remember the, the first time someone, I heard someone say one Oh tricks point never. And I was like, Oh, oh <laughs> right. Of course. <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, um, we're not talking about one or tricks point never though. Uh, that's music you could, you could dance to if you wanted, uh, some of his songs. Um, so, uh, that'll, that'll lead us into our actual topic. Now I want to introduce our guest who is going to be steering us through this topic. Uh, former hip hop dancer of the year at her middle school dance studio studio. Julie Sesnovich, welcome yes. back. Yes, thank you. I just, I want the listeners to know my credentials to discuss this topic, which is dance, dance right. and movies. Um, Creden- credentials, popping, 
Check. Locking. Yes. Check. Did they have popping and locking back then? No, which actually I was going to define some of these terms a little later, but it is a little confusing because some of the genres of dance, they have the same name as genres of music, but it doesn't mean the same thing. So hip hop encompasses, yes, popping and locking and breakdancing, but also I would describe it as like if you go to a pop concert, any pop concert, what the background dancers are doing or the backup right. dancers, that's hip hop too. Okay. So like when I say hip hop, I mean that too. Um, so yes, I was not um, really doing street battles or anything of that nature. No, but um, in the whitest suburb in the world, you were crushing it. So you never got served or served someone? I, there was no serving, no. It was very- Am, um, I, am I getting ahead of us? Were we, were we gonna get to you got served? I don't know. Uh, at Are some we? point in this episode. Well, you, uh, you're steering the ship uh, in this I'm episode about dance so, movies. Yeah, so basically, you know, I, I took dance throughout all of middle school and high school and I've been a devoted patron of dance for many years as well. I think I saw, I got student rush tickets to almost every single Boston Ballet performance in college. Like, can't get enough of this stuff. So it's, it's always been really interesting to me, the intersection of dance and film, because it presents some exciting opportunities, but also some challenges. So, you know, okay, so say you're making a dance movie, right? And you're well, Real out. quick, real quick. Yeah. Julie, let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. All right, now go. Okay. <laughs> now you can go. Right, okay, sorry, <laughs> got carried away. Um, so yeah, so you're making a dance movie. Ideally, you cast someone who can act and dance. But, you know, these days that can be hard to find. So you basically have two choices. You can cast a dancer and try to teach them to act, which has been done to varying degrees of success. Or you can cast an actor and try to teach them to dance. Um, I say that uncertainly because it really depends on the genre of dance, like mm -hmm. how successful you're going to be at that. Because I think like ballroom dancing, you can kind of teach to adults, um, tap as well. But something like ballet or jazz, you kind of can't. And like, I know people are probably rolling their eyes and be like, people learn all kinds of things for movies. They learn sports, they learn instruments. But ballet is one of the few things where you actually have to mold your body a specific way before puberty. And if you don't, it won't work. Like it won't look right and you just okay. can't do it. So you so, mentioned, in, you mentioned instruments. I feel like a lot of the time uh, when, when movie stars play musicians, they don't actually learn how to play the instrument. They just learn how to look, look like, like they're, they're playing. playing. Exactly. <laughs> and that's the, that's the thing is like, it's all about, depending on the movie, it's getting you to the level where it's convincing, whatever that level may be. And if you're playing the piano and you suck at it and they just shoot you from the other side, but like dancing, it's a little trickier. So there's a lot of I mean, now increasingly digital head replacement is huge. Um, shooting from creative angles, like there are certain dance sequences you'll look at and anytime there's a complicated move, it's shot from the back, that's the body double. Um, but the other thing that's tricky is that like in ballet in particular, when you're standing completely still, you are doing about a dozen things with your body that are unnatural. <laughs> like. In our dance classes, we had a, it's literally a checklist. It was like a dozen things. It was like shoulders back, this, that, and all these things. So you're literally standing completely still doing nothing. Even that is hard. So that's where it starts to get into, okay, are we doing body doubles? Are we doing digital head replacements? Um, and you hear a lot about like stars who will like go to ballet boot camp or whatever, but that's just to get them to the level where they can look okay standing still. Usually <laughs> the doubles are gonna do a lot of heavy lifting there. Um, 
So can I ask you, I don't know if I, I, I know I said you'd uh, get to steer the ship, yeah, sure. but um, I, uh, can I ask you, and maybe this is something you're going to get to who has best faked ballet in, in the movies? Um, well, what gives you a big leg up is if you did it as a kid. So Natalie Portman, I mean, I'm sure Black Swan was going to come up at some point, but Natalie Portman did do ballet as a kid. So that's a thing where you can kind of not pick up where you left off exactly. And she did have a body double and there was digital head replacement, but she did, I would say, more of it than is standard. Um, another example is in Climax, the recent Gaspar no- Noé no way. No way movie. Um, Sophia Butella is one of the leads of that, although it's kind of an ensemble. And that's more hip-hop style dancing, but she had um, dance experience as a kid. So I would say that gives you a big leg up and gives you something to build on. Um, but a lot of it, they, have, they find out the hard way. They put the star in dance lessons, they see how it goes, and then they kind of figure it out from there. I mean, like, kind of what right. else you're going to do, right? Um, okay. Then- Does, uh, uh, now I'm a big, Okay. We just got to the Halloween season. I watched The Craft for the first time, as, mm-hmm. as did Scott, I think. I also very much liked it. Uh, I watched Scream for the 10 millionth time. I'm a big Nev head. Always have been a big <laughs> Nev head. Uh, and the company is, I feel like people, I, this sounds like I'm like trolling or trying to be contrarian, but it's like a top four Altman movie for me. It's like a, my Mount Altman more is like long goodbye, California split three women and the company. Uh, have you seen the company and how did, how, how would you rate Nev? Okay. Well, this is very embarrassing, but I haven't. Okay. I'm sorry to say, but I will say like my role in this pod, I, I will be playing the role of Neil deGrasse Tyson in this podcast. I will be the one <laughs> who will be like sitting here being like, mm, it was okay. But just it, you can become like that with anything because you just learn what to look for. Like we have a friend who's a professional oboe player and she can listen to any music and be like, Oh, this sounds awful. I'm like, Oh, that sounds good to me. Like you just kind of pick up on these very small things. You know, um, I, um, I, a, a few weeks ago, I went on, it's been an entire day on Twitter, um, ranking or rating cigarette acting the way that people yeah, smoke in that. movies. Exactly. And that's, I mean, that's like an embarrassing thing to be like, it, uh, it does distract me when someone looks yeah. like they, they are afraid of a cigarette and like, don't know. And that's, that's often like the number one, uh, uh, giveaway that someone is not a smoker in real life is that they're afraid of the fact that they're holding a fire, a fire stick in their yeah. hands. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what gives away, uh, bad ballet or bad dancing in general? It's very subtle, but like I said, so much of it is how they look when they're standing still. So just posture, basically? It's it's posture, but it's also, like, I feel like um, my ballet teacher would use the word, like, activate. Like, muscles that aren't moving can still be activated. And it, it sounds so esoteric, but it is, it's posture, it's, um, and it's how much they cut to a weird view where their face is not as visible. Sure, that um, covers a lot. That starts mm-hmm. to give it away. And then there are certain moves that I'm, like, no, I'm sorry, that, that's not them. Like, in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, um, Kate Blanchett plays a dancer, and at one point she's doing this specific type of ballet turn. Now, I saw people who took ballet for, like, their entire childhood and couldn't do those turns, myself included. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible because I couldn't do it, but it was like a 50-50 split of who could do it at best. So I'm like, oh, she's not doing that. That's digital. Like, there's no, there's no way... <laughs> 
the behind the scenes features confirm your suspicion. Yeah, just it's so. just like there's there's no way. Um, so it is another thing I was going to point out though is that the expectation that stars should be able to dance is no longer in existence. But for a while there, it was so not a requirement. But kind of necessary. I mean, they even taught Jimmy Stewart how to dance. <laughs> they taught Jimmy Stewart. They taught Marlon Brando. Like he was kind of unavoidable in classic Hollywood, and that faded. But I was like, is there any equivalent to that still? And actually, Bollywood kind of. Um, m- not all, but a ton of Bollywood movies have dancing. So it's mm-hmm. like you know there are different types of actors, but a lot of them have to dance, and that's I think kind of cool. Um, also, because their dance sequences, sorry, Hollywood, they blow us out of the water over there. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I'm sadly not as versed in Bollywood as I'd like to be, but I was watching some clips on YouTube. I watched a sequence that was a dance sequence shot entirely on top, on top of a real moving train. Okay. And it had like 50 extras. Like this is the level they are at. So Do you I just, think, uh, I'm trying to think of like the. Uh, the Jimmy Stewart or Marlon Brando. Do you think the 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 late uh, and much uh, missed Irfan Khan like had to take dance lessons at some oh, point? Probably, <laughs> definitely had. Some yeah, dance. yeah. I mean, I was watching one. I was going through different clips, and I was like, "Oh, that's Priyanka Chopra." Sorry, Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Now, but it was like her, and then like um, Shahrukh Khan. It's like all these stars. They had to do it, and they're good. Um, Maybe that's like a key component of stardom in Bollywood. I don't know. Um, now the Jonases I, can dance, right? I mean, you I don't help. think she married into it. If that's what you mean. <laughs> no, I'm like, saying, do you think that was like a like a something they bonded over? Yeah. Oh, maybe it could yeah. be. Yeah. No, she was really good. Dancing can be very sensual. It can be very sensual. I get the Jonases, all the Jonases, and both of the Wolves mixed up. I don't even know who the Wolves the are. Wolves. Nat Wolf oh, and oh, the oh. one from Hereditary. What's his name? Alex Wolf? Yeah. I did yeah. not know they were related. They yeah, look, they, they look the identical. Same. <laughs> I, Maybe I didn't even know they were separate people. <laughs> I think that's probably more likely is okay, you didn't yeah. know there were two of them. There is two. <laughs> but um, I, I but like if you if you gave me a flow chart of like on one side three Jonas's and two wolves and the other side five <laughs> movies, each one had a different one in them, I would not be able to make that yeah. connection. That is a very specific task that I hope you are never presented with. Well, it's how it's uh, uh, how I learned Spanish on Duolingo. That's one of the uh, oh. one of the formats. Is here's a bunch of words in English and a bunch of words in Spanish. Oh, I app was asking you to match up Jonas Brothers <laughs> to the movies they've starred in. And Espanol <laughs> by the by the Spanish names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was. Um, also, I just want to say like general disclaimer sorry we didn't mention your favorite movie i'm sorry i just try to get out in front of that we're not it's a broad topic we're sorry um yeah i feel like the, the, as a as a co-host of battleship pretension for 13 years i've stopped even saying that like, <laughs> uh, well you, yeah i know but i'm not used to it and i'm just trying to and you are myself. here as the experts so i'm here like as the pressure expert is on. i know right um so i wanted to talk first i mean this is probably weave in and out but about people like specific people that have been kind of key to like dance on film in general and where better to start, but Fred, um, Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly, that's kind of where people's minds go. Um, I know a lot of people pit them against each other. Like you have to pick one, which I never really understood. I don't know if you guys can come down easily in terms of picking one. Well, I've always been more of a Gene Kelly guy because his acting's stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can't beat Astaire's precision or his inventiveness, uh, but Kelly is the more cinematic figure to me. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say is that like Astaire to me, he's incredible. I love them both, but he is a relic from stage performance. Like, And didn't he start at like five or something? Yeah, he started very young in vaudeville, but mm. like that, he kind of always stuck to that, which again, we love it. It's great. But Gene Kelly, because he got started later, I think, was always very focused on dancing for the screen. And he, it's interesting that you say Fred Astaire is more innovative to you because I see Gene Kelly as more. Well, I guess it depends on how you mean it. I guess I'm thinking purely in terms of the dance and like Astaire's approach was always like, just film me wide shot, get my whole body in there as long as it, so in terms of just the dance, which you could do anywhere basically, then yeah, but Kelly cinematically certainly is more innovative. Because I was just thinking of like some of, not necessarily my favorite Gene Kelly, um, like performances or dance routines, but like the more innovative. And there's one, it's literally, I remember nothing else about the movie Summerstock other than I saw it. But I remember he does a dance where it's a tap dance with a squeaky floor and a newspaper. That's his props. He's like tapping on the squeaky floor. And then he, this is not going to work in an audio format, (laughs) but humor me. He hops on both sides of a newspaper and then scooches his legs apart so that the newspaper rips in half. And then he keeps doing that. And that's percussive. It's like, what is happening? He also, um, in the movie Cover Girl, dances with himself which is pretty cool for the 40s. Um, they basically just kind of digitally, not digitally, but they, <laughs> they doubled him. You know, they shot the scene Double twice. Exposure. So it's like he does a duet with himself, which is amazing. He also dances with Jerry the Mouse of Tom and Jerry fame in Anchors Away. Like he was just very forward thinking in that way and very athletic, I think. You know, people who don't think dancers are athletes, like watch Gene Kelly for five minutes, you know? And kind of on that note, it's also worth mentioning Stanley Donnan in that same sentence mm-hmm. because Donnan helped him choreograph and figure out the technical end to make a lot of this kind of stuff work. And we'll get into some specific movies in a bit, but for me, Donnan is like the king of filming dance. I can't mm-hmm. think of a director who's done it better. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, not that you asked me to weigh in, but I'm also probably I more, of a, more of a Kelly guy than an Astaire guy for the, sim- for the simple reason that I saw singing in the rain at a very young age and yeah. very, very many times I watched, yeah. I loved singing in the rain as a kid. So, uh, yeah, I'll always, uh, um, think about that. And also like uh, young girls of Rochefort is like a top 10 movie for me. Yeah. Um, uh, I did want to mention one Fred Astaire number that I saw at TCM fest a few years ago, uh, which is from silk stockings, the musical version of, uh, uh, uh what is it? Ninoshka? Um, in which he, and I had to look it up. Uh, he and, uh, Janice page have a whole, uh, song that's about like cinemascope and Tadeo and all the like fifties, like developments in theater, like cinema projection and, and, uh, uh, what's one of the distribution and, uh, uh, and stuff. It's a really fantastic song, uh, that, um, uh, I still get stuck in my head, which is, uh, I think, I don't know. So something about, uh, the mem- you know, yeah. uh, four days into like a, a foggy haze of TCM fest sure. that that song, uh, not only stuck out for being novel, but for also being a really catchy song. Yeah. Uh, so that one lifts him up and, uh, quite a bit, but, oh, uh, sure. I'm and a again, Kelly guy. Like them both for sure. But I would also say to Astaire's credit in terms of like more cinematic numbers, and this came later, this was in the 50s, but in The Bandwagon, which is another great dance movie, him and Sid Charisse have a famous number called The Girl Hunt Ballet, which like could not be more my shit. It's a ballet tap number based on film noir. Like, are you kidding me? And I think that it's very dramatic. It's very cinematic. They have, you know, people in gangster costumes and dramatic lighting. And it's like, 
edited in such a way that it's physically impossible on stage, you know, like whatever you would call that. Um, okay. So I think to his credit, he could, he did evolve somewhat. Yeah. There. And the same is true even in Easter Parade, which yeah. is something that would come back for him. I think he wanted to retire before making Easter Parade. And that one has a number towards the finale where he like dances in slow motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he's definitely started to get into more cinematic tricks towards the end of the forties and in the fifties. Yeah. Um, some other, also, I mean, can't mention Fred without mentioning Ginger Rogers. Yes. Who famously said she did everything he did backwards and in heels. Which is kind of an oversimplification because she did no, the duets, but he always had a solo number that was always right. a little bit more spectacular. Yeah. Um, weirdly, he, <laughs> when asked... Um, Am I wrong? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just like your your need to clarify there. No, I know, but I, I'm a huge Ginger Rogers fan. I think she's a very capable, very exciting dancer on her own, but her style is in some ways very different from Fred Astaire's. Right. And I think for a lot of her early career, she kind of, she didn't resent being paired with him, but she very much tried to, at every corner to break out of just being Fred Astaire's partner. She knew he was the star of the show and wanted more of her own showcase. And the more she got that, I think the stronger she got. And weirdly, when asked many years later who his favorite dance partner was, yeah. He didn't even say her. He said Rita Hayworth. <laughs> Which, oh, to be fair, she could dance. Oh, she could dance. Like, I get it. Um, so there's also, talking about female dancers, got to give a shout out to Ann Miller. We love Ann Miller. She can tap dance like nobody's business. Um, we watched a recent movie um, called Reveille with Beverly, where she tap dances. How would you explain this? On a stage that's bursting into flames, but on purpose? Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, clearly nobody was that. She was famously what like the queen of the bees or something because she's a huge bee movie star oh maybe yeah none of her movies were huge affairs but she consistently turned out these like hour-long 70-minute movies and so they weren't too concerned about potentially setting her on fire (laughs) during the climax of this movie (laughs) it's basically it's a big patriotic number so basically these like spigots spigots of fire just keep shooting up and she's tap dancing like around them as they shoot on fire it's it's unreal but she could tap dance so fast and in kiss me kate that's in 3d so you haven't lived till you've watched ann miller tap dance in 3d have you actually Um, seen you actually seen kiss i've only seen kiss me kate on dvd not in 3d um so that is an experience i highly recommend um someone else though that i've gotten into more recently who i feel like is not discussed enough is eleanor powell um i don't know the eleanor powell familiarity out there but i think the problem is that her actual movies aren't that memorable they aren't that well remembered but she is incredible like fred astaire said she was the best dancer he'd ever seen he was actually intimidated by her he didn't like co-starring with her because he thought she was too good um typical she she was yeah (laughs) i think she was ranked by like some dancing magazine as the best dancer Best tap dancer of all time, full stop, period. And we watched a couple of her movies on, on TCM recently. And like, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I think you were as blown away as I was. Yeah, I mean, I, I see it on your notes already, but there's at the end of Ship Ahoy. She has to tap out a message in Morse code to convey enemy secrets, which is super awesome. It is unreal. And the other thing that's unique is that she choreographed most of her own numbers, which like even Fred Astaire wasn't doing. Like she actually, I mean... Everyone, like, there's always, like, so-and-so saved the studio from bankruptcy, but, like, she saved MGM from bankruptcy in the 30s. Um, So even, I don't know how hard these movies are to get, but even if you just watch clips on YouTube, it's, like, her style is so different than, like, a Ginger Rogers or a Rita Hayworth, because, like, Fred Astaire tried to neg her. He was like, her dancing is too masculine. And I'm like, I think you just mean it's good. Yeah. 
I mean, she's a very forceful dancer. It's not like the kind of beautiful, graceful dancing we're yeah. used to with kind of classic female stars. It's and this is the guy you're rushing to defend, by the way, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> but she, um, yeah. <laughs> I just, I wish she was more well-remembered. Because the other thing was she got solo numbers. Like, these are solo numbers she was doing. Because, yeah. like, people couldn't keep up with her. And she's so sweet. She's, like, a very sweet actress. She always plays these ingenue roles. But, yeah, it's unreal. Like, look her up on YouTube. Do yourself a favor. Um, we also want Born to Dance is another movie she's in. Um, opposite Jimmy Stewart, who sings yeah. in that movie. So ah. he hangs in there. He hangs in there. He's a good sport. You know. That reminds, I should have mentioned when I mentioned Silk Stockings. Have you have you, have you guys seen Silk Stockings? A long time ago. I have not. Okay, because um, Peter Laurie sings in, right. in Silk Stockings. Okay. <laughs> okay. How'd that go? Uh, it looks like he's having fun. Right. Fantastic. <laughs> That's what matters. Um, pivoting back to the to the fellows for a second. Um, people forget that George Raft and Jimmy Cagney started out as dancers and never totally stopped. It's such cognitive dissonance to watch them dance, knowing that mm-hmm. they became famous for playing gangsters, but they're so good. It's wild. Yeah, at this point, I now as strongly associate Jimmy Cagney with his yeah. mad dance skills as I do for his fast-talking gangsters. And it's so, like, of a piece with his persona because he's such a manic, like, this little ball of energy guy. And... He can pull it off. Like, I mean, Yankee Doodle Dandy is one. And then there's a lot of movies where he just dances really quickly. Like, directors found ways to kind of work that in. Um, there's a scene I only watched on YouTube. I haven't seen the movie. But in a 50s movie called The Seven Little Foys, he and Bob Hope have a tap dance battle. And it's good. <laughs> like, and he's getting up there in age then. So that was, um, that was very cool. Um, also the Nicholas brothers, I would be remiss not to mention, um, they were as, you know, brothers, um, from, and this was in the thirties and forties, their style of dancing was apparently called flash dancing because it was a combination of tap and sort of acrobatics, but they would just put these numbers with them, these jaw dropping numbers into movies, but unfortunately in such a way that they could be edited out in the South because of racism. Um, But it's seriously like, again, this is going to be my frame. Look it up on YouTube. They're just like jumping over each other's heads and doing splits while tap dancing. And like, you know, they're not as well known, but they do have a lot of respect in the dance community for their skills. Yeah. I mean, Oh, they're, Oh, from like the big number at the end of stormy weather. Exactly. That, Oh, where they literally like, it's like a nightclub, but the stage cannot contain them. As this right. song goes on, they're there, or as the dance goes on, they're like on the tables and going down the banister. And so that's yeah. so awesome. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that was who that yeah. was, but uh, yeah, that's yeah. very, memorable. and it is a shame that, you know, rampant racism in the South means they weren't as famous as they could have been, but luckily they have somewhat of a legacy because they're just incredible. Yeah. They've sort of uh, gained more of a foothold recently. I think more people have gotten around to championing them in the past mm-hmm. 30 years or so. Yeah, but I, I don't remember which movie it is, but they literally, they're going down the stairs. They jump in the air, jump into yeah, a split. Yeah, that's stormy weather. Jump up, jump in. And I was like, I don't know if they had children after that. I don't know <laughs> if they could have. Like, yeah. It, yeah, but amazing. Um, if Does anyone have any other dancers they want to Well, I see one on your oh, list right. you didn't get to. Sid Therese, okay. who's a big favorite of mine. Yeah. And uh, I mean, talk about cinematic. One, she's gorgeous to look at, which certainly doesn't hurt. But she has these wonderfully long legs that, like, seem to expand as she dances. She's very tall. Yeah. And so, like, 
even in a sort of so-so movie that I happen to really love, like uh, Party Girl, um, she has two like jaw-dropping uh, dance numbers that just completely really are divorced from the plot in every, in every sense of the word, but um, are so captivating and really kind of save the movie in a lot of ways. Never mind the ones where they're more integral, like Brigadoon or uh, It's Always Fair Weather, or I can't remember what else I Singing down. in the Rain. Yeah, Singing in the Rain. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another one that's like completely not integral to the plot at all. Oh, almost sure. almost sure. laughably so. Yeah. Um, or what was the one we watched recently uh, that was like the biopic of the guy and they just kept doing numbers oh, from his yeah. past? Oh, yeah. I can't remember the name of it. <sighs> I think I even wrote it down. Yeah. But oh, Deep in My Heart. Deep in My Heart. Yeah. It's just all these kind of choreographed numbers to this guy's music. Most of them are kind of so-so, but the one she does is stunning to see and is completely removed from the movie. So people should definitely check that out. And she also, and this is something I can tell, she had a ballet background. She had a very serious ballet background. And um, don't fact check this because I'm not sure about it. But if you're female, being tall in ballet is a liability. You can't have a professional ballet career if you're too tall. I don't know who made that rule, but it exists. So I'm wondering if, you know, she kind of drifted to Hollywood because of that. Mm. Um, but you can tell in the way she, cause even, I think she does tap a little bit and different kinds. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, but you can tell it has a ballet influence or I can tell anyway. Um, did you want to call any other dancer i also have choreographers as a separate yeah no i'm uh, uh, i think you've already gone deeper than my uh, uh limited knowledge here um so in terms of choreographers this is a bit more obscure obviously but um one of you know the greatest choreographers of all time who may not have whose name may not mean as much to film fans but george balanchine largely considered the greatest ballet choreographer choreographer of all time um he kind of hit in that era where like a lot of especially european artists who were like novelists or playwrights or painters kind of like flirted with hollywood a little bit like gave it gave it the old college try so he actually choreographed for a handful of movies he lived in hollywood for a while um so i watched some of them on youtube it's it's pretty cool. I mean, I think the movies are forgettable and they all star his then girlfriend. Were um, they like promoting his name? Were they like, and dances by? No, because I huh. think it was earlier in his career. Oh, okay. he, I think he was more famous in Europe at the time, gotcha. but he hadn't really hit. So he's like, I don't know, I'll try Hollywood out. Um, didn't really stick, but it is kind of a weird, mm. like mid-century arts crossover. Can you name um, some of these movies? Um, I think one of, the, one of them is called On Your Toes. Okay. Another one was like, follow the boys like they're all all from the 30s title factory yeah they're they're (laughs) super forgettable um i think there was one of them that had an excerpt from his staging of swan lake in it i don't know if you count that um but yeah weird arts crossover um probably more well known is busby berkeley obviously um that's a very cinematic choreographer in that he does things that are physically impossible on a stage um you look like you want to weigh in. Oh, just that, like, yes, he is more renowned for, like, not even choreographing specific dancers, but almost choreographing groups and, like, people's bodies in ways that would be interesting to the camera but wouldn't be otherwise interesting. But he, for my money, he also had the goods as kind of a straight choreographer and kind of the stuff he did later after kind of his golden period with stuff like uh, Gold Diggers 33, 42nd Street, uh, Dames or Footlight Parades starring Jim Cagney. Um, once he moved past that in a sense into like, oh, I can't think of the name of the movie now. Gang's All Here or uh, what was the boat one we saw with Doris Day? 
when she was on oh, a cruise. Um, Romance on the High Seas. Romance on the High Seas. He directed yeah. a number for that that's uh, really interesting. It's like the roaming cameras. It's a thing you wouldn't see in most 40s movies. But all the dancing is like super precise and super interesting. Yeah. Um, did David, did you have a Busby Berkeley thought you were about to share or no? No. Um, Jerome I just have that, uh, I have that Magnetic Fields song stuck in my head now. <laughs> oh. If you know that song, Busby Berkeley Dreams. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jerome Robbins is another one. Um, he has a co-director credit on West Side Story pretty much just because he choreographed all the numbers, which is not insignificant for that movie. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of dancing in it. So yeah. if you're directing the dancing, you are kind of co-directing the movie. And yeah, yeah, for sure. As much as Robert Wise rightfully gets a lot of credit and the movie's really sharply shot, it really only works because the two of them work so well in concert together. And yeah, I mean, Jerome Owens is maybe more known for West Side Story now, but he was, like George Balanchine, like a very acclaimed stage choreographer. Although it was a bit more, it wasn't quite as stringent like ballet. It was jazz, which is another one I should explain because it's weird. Jazz dance has nothing to do with jazz music. I was trying to explain what it is. It's basically like if you took ballet and melded it with Broadway, you get jazz. Like, if you see people dancing and it's sort of formal, but it's not ballet, it's probably jazz. Um, so he's a very famous jazz choreographer. Um, also, Bob Fosse and Gwen Verdon are huge in cinema history, and I think they're ones that made a really seamless transition from stage to screen. Um, and his style is just so idiosyncratic. Like, I know it's been parodied a lot, but it's, it's good. Like, you just watch the stuff he's done. It just works. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think for most modern audiences, he's weirdly most famous for something he was dead long before it was made, which is Chicago, right. which is very much influenced by his style. Mm -hmm. It's like a lot of shadows, a lot of bull, buller hats, yeah. um, a lot of people striking intense poses and then slowly coming out of them. Yeah. All that stuff is very Fosse-esque. If, if, so if you're not familiar with his work directly, you definitely are familiar with his influence. Yeah, you might not even know what it is. But yeah, you know for sure. Mm -hmm. But the work he did directly, I mean, I'm not the hugest Sweet Charity fan, but there's some dance numbers in that that are stunning to see. Oh, yeah. Sweet Charity is incredible. And then he also had some on-screen credits very early in his career in the 50s. Um, in the movie My Sister Eileen from 1955. I was, was going to mention this. Oh, yeah. you were? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't know. I was just going to mention uh, that this is another TCM th thing th that I saw. But uh, I don't really have much more to, to say about it. But it's like, uh, if I remember correctly, it's like uh, almost like a dance, like, not a dance battle, but like kind of, yeah. uh, it's a dance-off type of scene. Yeah. It's him and Tommy Rawl, who was another big dancer of the time. Um, and they're on a roof. Well, I mean, probably not literally, but oh, okay. it, they're on like an urban rooftop. And they keep getting really close to, again, probably not a high edge, but an edge. Um, so it's like, yeah, you get, you know, he, he's not, you can't quite draw a link to where he wound up stylistically from his presence there, but he's incredible. He's incredible to watch. I would say one where you can, though, is uh, Give a Girl a Break, which is one of my mm. favorite musicals. Yeah. And he has a number with Debbie Reynolds that's, you know, it's not directly Fosse, but you can see the seeds there of what it would develop into. Mm -hmm. um, and if I can use that as a launching point to talk more in depth about Stanley Donnan, I certainly will, because he directed that yeah. movie. And I mean, that movie is a really good example of Donnan's excellence because it's so threadbare and has a cast that is, I think otherwise in cinema history, rather unremarkable, but he does so much with it, so much with the camera. He does this whole dance number 
where they're moving backwards the whole time so they can be popping and unpopping balloons. Yeah, well, to clarify, it's they roll the footage backwards. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So it looks crazy. But then it's I was watching it. And I was like, how did they film that so it looked the way it does when they roll it backwards? Like, I can't even fathom yeah. how that works. And he would do stuff like that all the time that's like technically almost impossible. But he, I mean, it's that classic like old school movie magic. There's that number. There's the split screen dance number in uh, It's Always Fair Weather. Uh, that's really cool to watch. Um, he was just constantly innovating. I mean, really from the start, I think his first film uh, on the town is as remarkable to view by a 25-year-old director as uh, Citizen Kane is. Oh, yeah. There's so much energy to it and so much innovation in terms of shooting on the street, which he does in the opening number, right in the streets of New York, which is almost unheard of for a Hollywood film at the time. Uh, through to these super expressive, like, multicolored backgrounds that he would kind of use throughout his career. There's stuff like that in Funny Face, which is another kind of, has a hugely iconic dance scene with uh, Audrey Hepburn, where she's dancing in the nightclub. That's been, I think, probably most famous now for people of our age for being used in commercial. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, is really worth seeking out on its own. And if I can just piggyback yeah, really quick sure. on On the Town, I think an underrated thing he achieves in On the Town as well is, so the three male leads in On the Town are Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, and I can't even remember the other guy's name. Nobody ever does. It's, or Jules Munchen, I think. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's someone um, the So the issue going in there, which is maybe evident from the name stated, there's, that's three very different skill levels for dance. And what they pull off there, and I don't know if Gene Kelly gets the credit, I don't know who exactly gets the credit here, but they make it work because like, admittedly Gene Kelly does bust out at the end and do his own super Gene Kelly number, but there are a lot of numbers they do together. And it, you know, to a trained eye, you can tell Gene Kelly's a little better, but they make it look like they're all pretty evenly matched which I think is no small thing. Yeah, and he would just keep pushing. Th- I mean, it's worth also worth mentioning the roller skate number and yeah. It's Always Fair Weather, which is, I mean, it's a widescreen he film. He tap dances on roller skates. Gene Kelly does. Um, and it's a widescreen film, and uh, Donner really used the frame to watch Kelly glide through the massive MGM back lot of these streets that are like 50 feet wide or just impossibly wide. Um, just watching him glide all around there is incredible. And then in something like The Pajama Game, which is a really cool kind of, a working class musical, which I, by the 50s, Hollywood practically abandoned. It's very common in the 30s, but he's doing that in the 50s still. And there he keeps getting like all kinds of different dancers. And I mean, there's a dance with like two old obese people, which like you never see. And it has a, this very democratic ideal of dancing that it really is for everybody. And that's to tie it back. That's another Bob Fosse joint, pajama game. That's right. I forgot about that. Mm. And there's there's an extremely, extremely Fosse number yeah. in that. Steam Heat is like Fosse 101. Um, which, speaking of Fosse, I just meant to quickly mention, having watched the acclaimed FX miniseries Fosse Verdon, um, I want to give Gwen Verdon her due for choreography. I mean, I think it's one of those things. They're both dead now. We can never probably parse out exactly who did what, but it seemed like... I'm sure Scott's going to jump in with some, uh, she wasn't quite as good. <laughs> No, uh, Gwen Burden was an amazing dancer. I have nothing bad to say about Gwen Burden. But I think, you know, her contributions to his choreography kind of got erased over time, and I just wanted to call her out for the collaboration they produced. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, the last person I want to mention, I randomly found out that Paula Abdul has choreographed a lot of random Hollywood stuff, um, including but not limited to the cheerleading routine in American Beauty 
and the end zone dance in Jerry Maguire. (laughs) (laughs) They called in famous Paula Abdul to do that. Um, But yeah, she has all these. It feels like it feels like the thing with like Michael Jackson getting Eddie Van Halen to play on his (laughs) on 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 beat it because it's just like he's the most famous guitarist I've heard of (laughs) and I can afford him. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, super weird flex, but she yeah, she has a very acclaimed choreography career. Um, so if anyone, if there's any other people, people wanted to mention, no, I don't think so. Um, so then I want to segue into specific films, some of which we touched on already, but I've broken these down by genre, okay. of genre of dance. Um, some of these classifications, up, yeah, some of these classifications are a little weird and some of these categories, I kind of just had to pick one. So, you know, we'll do the best we can, but the first one is pretty straightforward ballet, pretty unambiguous there. Um, we touched on Black Swan. Great ballet movie. No, no notes there. I mean, like I said, Natalie Portman had the dance background to build on, and but they did use a double for a lot of it. Um, well, I it, think one of the really interesting things there is uh, Matthew Liebetik's cinematography, mm-hmm. which uh, he and uh, Darren Aronofsky had kind of developed this sense of really focusing on close-ups. I think really starting with The Fountain, especially. And that would really drive their films. So it's like, well, how do you do that for a dance film? But somehow they do, and they keep up with Portman and her double dancing. And it really gets you in this kind of dizzying headspace that she's in. And I think better than any movie that's tried, it kind of ties her career to her psychological uh, degradation. Yeah, and the other thing is that, like, something I think the movie touches on, which not a lot of ballet movies touch on, ballet is gross to your body. It's (laughs) so gross. Like... You know, I was not a professional dancer by any means, but you're up against, you're getting broken toenails. You're like, you're mangling your feet, your sweat. Like it's, it's gross. And like, obviously it gets into that in a heightened way. What with turning into a literal swan. But I think like, it doesn't shy away from it being gross, which I think is kind of cool because it's thought of as so glamorous and elegant. Well, I, here's a, a quote-unquote ballet movie that probably wasn't on your list, but maybe the biggest audience reaction in John Wick 3 in the theater was not any of the, like, people getting stabbed in the eyeball or whatever. It was backstage at Angelica Houston's ballet school, the girl peeling her toenail off after unwrapping yeah, her foot. Absolutely real. That's <laughs> yeah. not exaggerated at all. Even going back a ways, something like Bergman's Summer Interlude, which is about a ballet dancer, uh, he doesn't get into the physical grodiness as much because, you know, even in Sweden, they had standards. Um, but there's something about kind of the backstage uh, scenes in that movie that highlight kind of the ruggedness of their circumstances, that it's not a glamorous life necessarily, that it's a lot yeah. of women working for not a lot of money who just really want to make a living and are happy with whatever work they can get. And there's something about the way he films, like them putting on their makeup and stuff that just really underscores that it's all kind of, right off stage is kind of grimy business. Yeah. Um, also, you know, we touched on it with Black Swan, like the psychological degradation. Can't go without mentioning the red shoes there. Of For course. sure. Um, I think another thing the red shoes taps into is the kind of Svengali. Or ballet's into. I was going to say, I don't remember any tap dancing. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but like the Svengali-esque relationship between uh, male choreographer and female dancer is very real. Like, there's so many examples of that throughout history. Like George Balanchine did it like five times over. Like he had so many wives and he became obsessed with them and tried to mold their careers. And like, obviously there are other things going on in that movie, but that is definitely part of her breakdown. Mm. 
Yeah, and to say nothing of the quality of the dancing, which oh, they yeah. did hire she was a dancer, an actual yeah. ballet dancer mm-hmm. who I think holds her own very much as an actress. Yeah, and in that and the tales of Hoffman, I mean, Pell and Pressburger just pulling out all the stops and turning, making a very what seems like a very stage bound format into something really cinematic and exciting, while still highlighting the dancing. I mean, I think there's a tendency to think that if you're like putting in too much cutting or too many special effects or whatever, that it removes some of the quality of the dancing and remove some of the spotlight from them, but they find a way to merge the two and really draw out the best of their performers. Um, I meant to mention earlier that in general, I find dancing so much more exciting on film than I do in real life. Um, even though there's the immediacy to seeing it on stage or something, there's something about getting the perspective of the camera that really frames it in a way that makes mm-hmm. it really dynamic. But if you get good enough seats, <laughs> I'm <Sure>. just saying, <laughs> that's key. Sure. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Um, okay, so this is not to the cinematic caliber of the other movies I've mentioned, but I must discuss Center Stage with everyone. <laughs> I was I was going to if you didn't. Oh, I, oh, I, I I haven't Wait, seen it, it since the theater, but uh, <laughs> I have very positive memories yeah. of, of Center Stage. I very much enjoyed it. Um, it's also it's too bad Tyler's not here because Center Stage is a, is a favorite movie in the Smiths household. Uh, oh, okay. uh, Jenny uh, Tyler's wife is a huge Center Stage fan, yeah. um, and we've talked about it uh, a couple of times. Again, I don't know. I remember it uh, that well um, in terms. You want of, me to uh, recite it for you? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really liked it. I really liked that movie. Yeah, the thing. So it came out um, at the time it came out. Like again, twelve two thousand. I just looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I can't speak to other people's experience, but at my suburban dance studio, every single one of us could quote that movie start to finish because it was like a a great um, convergence of like, we're doing this. And like, you know, you don't, we're not watching the red shoes. We're like 12. Like, so this comes out in theaters. It's a major release. And like, we, we love it. We devour it. We talk about it all the time. My ballet teacher, stole liberally from the choreography for our recitals like it cast such a shadow over us and frankly i'm a little scared to rewatch it in its entirety because i don't know if it's like good good um because what they did is it's you know like i said you cast dancers who act or actors who dance and they cast dancers and tried to make them act again to varying yeah. <laughs> levels of success with the there's ex- a reason that no one in that movie that you haven't heard of any of the people in that movie <laughs> with the exception though of zoe saldana um who oh. did both so she was a dancer who acted and I, it's one of her first roles um and she she dances she does ballet and she's great but the rest of them it's a little it's choppy it's a little choppy um but the dancing is incredible like they were casting out of the american ballet theater like this is top-notch some of the best dancers in the world um the plot is very silly because like there's this trope that happens in some ballet movies where like these dancers were meant to believe didn't know other forms of dance existed yeah because (laughs) you just reminded me of another movie that's not as good i think i know what it is (laughs) we'll get to that later but it's like that makes no sense. That's like going to art school and like on your graduation day, discovering that painting isn't the only kind of art. Like it's absurd. <laughs> but basically over the course of the movie, she realizes the protagonist realizes she's maybe more into kind of jazz and hip hop dance than ballet. Um, Cause there's guys, there's a bad boy. There's a bad there boy choreographer. Is. And like the final dance scene, I have watched that recently on YouTube, on um, Netflix, no complaints. It's flawless, even though it's silly. Um, 
do you know do you know how we know he's a bad boy is this the one where he enters in on a motorcycle? He rides a motorcycle onto the stage, <laughs> folks. Not only that, but then it's one of those dance scenes that's like physically impossible, you know, in kind of the Buzz Berkeley style, but just there's editing, there's costume changes, but it's meant to be one, but it's not. So it simulates their relationship. So he comes in on a motorcycle, he whisks her away. They have simulated ballet sex on yeah, stage. We all love that. We love it. Um, but it's just it's great it's it's amazing and also just um the director i don't think the director has done much before or since but the director like has some really interesting ways of filming it because i noticed there's a, a shot where one of the dancers is jumping up and down in rapid succession and the camera moves with him which is kind of cool mm. um but yeah center stage it's um it's great it might surprise you who the director is actually, Nicholas Heitner, uh, who is maybe best known for 1994's The Madness of King George. Sure. All right. Okay. He also made the 1996 The Crucible. He made The Object of My Affection, 1998. Uh, the History Boys in 2006. And then a lot of London National Theater live for television stuff. That seems to be like what he did for like a decade after that. And then he made The Lady in the Van in 2015. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Well, I'm glad he's still out there plugging away. But yeah, it's it's iconic. It's formative. I'm never able to view it objectively, and that's okay. So, um, I, I, you have guessed the, I'm pretty sure you've guessed the movie that I you made me think of, The Ballet Dancer Learns About Another Form of Dance, another movie that I haven't seen since the theater. Yep. Can you guess what is it? Save the Last Dance. Save the Last Dance. Yep. A movie that I uh, thought was stupid, but had a good time seeing in the theater back in, in 2001. Yeah, it's especially galling because the, the premise is that, you know, it's this white girl who moves to a predominantly um, black neighborhood the south side of it, chicago right and only because of this does she learn hip-hop exists that is the only reason <laughs> um that's another one where like when i saw it at the time i was very taken with the big final dance number in which guys get this she combines ballet with hip-hop can you believe it it's the move. can you believe it um if you watch that again, oh girl, that is all a body double. <laughs> because here's what that entire sequence is. Close-up of Julia Stiles' face, yeah. shot from behind of a dance move. Close-up <laughs> of Julia Stiles' face, shot from behind. It's like, it's so oh, that's blatant. too bad. It's so blatant. And this is, like I said, I was going to be Neil deGrasse Tyson. I was going right. to ruin everything. I'm sorry. Yeah, but you uh, yeah I hate to hear, you hate to hear that about National Treasure Julia Stiles. <laughs> no, this, listen, um, it's not Julia Stiles' fault. It's not. I don't blame her, but the, it is what it is, you know? And then the, uh, the male lead then movie is Sean Patrick Thomas, who I guess outside of the Barbershop series, I don't think has done that much that, it, that I remember. Just out there being handsome. Yeah, you know? yeah, he is that. He is that. Um... Another more recent ballet movie, um, not exclusively a ballet movie, but the Jennifer Lawrence vehicle Red Sparrow. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask, because uh, that's recent enough, did they do some like digital head replacement in the early? Because yeah. there's only ballet at the beginning of that movie, if you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's So they send them to ballet boot camp. They always call it boot camp. They send <laughs> them to ballet boot camp, which, again, I think is honestly more focused on posture and just kind of simulating being a dancer than learning to dance. Um, but yeah, it's head replacement. It's a double, but yeah. Russian ballet is no joke. They are not <laughs> yeah. goofing around over there. It's a good, um, they're making them into spies. They do make 
all of all of Russian ballerinas are all spies. Yeah. It's a good um it's a good dance sequence, but there really is just like the one number in the movie because the whole the thing that kicks the whole plot off is that she is horribly injured uh yes. in a live performance. Graphically. Uh, talk about it, yeah like uh, move i mentioned the toenail in john wick but yeah. uh ballet related moments that made a whole theater people go Ooh, uh definitely <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the red like, sparrow yeah i mean obviously like grotesque injuries are not the norm but like you know the toenail They've been known to happen but the toenail thing is actually pretty <laughs> commonplace like that's just like yeah. price of doing business unfortunately um i also wanted to call out um the turning point from 1977 have either of you seen it no so the turning point is perhaps most famous now for being one of the movies that had 11 oscar nominations with no wins so it's just like a trivia anecdote now um it's really good y'all it's like a really good movie it's about it stars um ann bancroft and shirley mclean as um they were dancers they're ballet dancers together and then shirley mclean quit to have a family but ann bancroft stayed at it um, and just kind of the tensions that evolve from that and their relationship. Um, what's interesting is that, so Shirley MacLaine has a dance background. She's danced in many movies and on the stage. They cast her as the one who quits. And then they cast Anne Bancroft as the one who keeps dancing. So there's a scene of Anne Bancroft dancing and she's doing what I like to call non-dancing dancing, which is how do you make someone look like they're dancing when they're kind of not? Turns out the answer is just move your arms really slow. <laughs> She doesn't really move her body much because it, it's like, it's supposed to be like modern. Right. So she just, I was watching it and I'm like, this is dancing, but it's also not. <laughs> it, it, it's very strange, but it's a good movie. It also has um, Mikhail Baryshnikov in it. One of the great ballet dancers of, of any era. Um, but check it out. It's more than an anecdote. It has good dancing. It has good acting, good seventies hairdos. Um. Uh, just to go back, your mention of Russian ballet reminded me of, uh, not that this person is Russian, but you'll see where I'm going. Um, and a ballerina turned actress, but more of a TV actress, uh, Summer Glau, mm-hmm. um, who played uh, River Tam in, uh, on Firefly and in the Serenity movie based on Firefly. But she was a ballerina, and she her first real acting gig was an episode of Angel called Waiting in the Wings um, from, I think, the third season, uh, which is a top five all-time episode of Angel. For me, I would definitely recommend uh, where she plays a... a uh, uh, ballerina who has been cursed she's like hundreds of years old and she can only exist inside the theater and every night she has to perform the same uh, uh, production and of course Angel rescues her sure of course um, spoilers Angel rescues her. but um, a lot of other things happen in that episode and it is uh, honestly I would recommend anyone watch Waiting in the Wings it's one of the best Angel episodes uh, ever and Summer Glau real dancer so that helps right on nice um, another oddity I want to call out, there is a Guy Madden movie called Dracula, colon, Pages from a Virgin's Diary. Yeah, it's it, great, too. It's a ballet Dracula. Yeah, it's the, the Winnipeg uh, ballet um, did a ballet version of Dracula, and then Guy Madden said, hey, let me film that. And apparently the Winnipeg Ballet uh, was not thrilled with the end result because he <laughs> doesn't... they not know what they were getting into? <laughs> it's not. They're like, he doesn't... we're in Winnipeg, you're the most famous Winnipeg director. <laughs> yeah. They thought um, they were just hiring a cheap videographer. Yeah. <laughs> right. He doesn't actually, I don't think he uh, does a great job of showcasing the dancing in, in that movie. That doesn't seem to be what his interest was. Right. Um, but it's a cool, it's a very cool movie. Yeah, yeah for sure. 
Um, also, um, I want to call out a movie that I haven't seen, but um, David, I know you have the ambiguously titled Girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't think kindly of that movie. So that was very controversial when it came out because it's about a trans ballerina and they cast a cis male actor. Um, that's that's the controversy you know about going in. Right. If you actually watch the movie, it also is a really offensive simplification of what what it means to be uh, uh, trans and and uh, a kind of a miserable, like suffering porn ver- version of uh, it, it's it's an execrable movie. Yeah. A movie that turns queer identity into nothing but suffering. <laughs> the odds? But it's like, it's kind of an interesting backstory there because it, it is loosely based on a real person. And apparently that person, that dancer, like collaborated with the director, which is seemingly invisible in the final product. <laughs> but I guess her requirement, like she said, she was like, I don't care who you cast. They just have to be able to dance, which again, not saying they should have done it. And probably if you can't figure it out, don't make the movie at all. But I just want to clarify here. Like, I think there are some people like, well, you should have cast a trans ballerina. You should have taught a trans ballerina to act. And it's like, that's not, it's like I said, it's like, that's kind of a whole thing. You can't just do that, you know? So it's like, if you can't find someone, don't make the movie. But the idea that you can just find someone or just figure it out, it's like, I don't know if you can. So so just don't make the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, But also don't make that movie because it's it's (laughs) really, really bad. (laughs) Right. Of course, of course. Um, Also, a couple documentaries I wanted to call out. Um, There's a documentary called Ballet 422, which is just about um, the development of a a new ballet piece for, I think, the American Ballet Theater. Sounds good. Um, It's very straightforward. It's very just kind of just this guy choreographing a number. It's good, though. But it's good. Um, Also, a Frederick Wiseman joint, La Danse, which is about um, the Paris Opera Ballet. No, similar kind of just showing what goes on. It's a Frederick Wise movie, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, even more so straightforward than Ballet you, could do. I haven't seen it, but you could, I'm guessing you could fly to Paris, watch <laughs> a ballet, and fly back in the time it takes you to watch the it's Frederick Wise one. It's like two uh, and a half hours. It's I not, think it's like three. There. All right. <laughs> in any case, a brisk movie by, uh, yeah, sure. by Weissman's standards. Yeah. Um, that was all I had for ballet. I didn't know if you guys I didn't had... catch anything on my list. Um, I mean, I haven't seen it, but does Suspiria have ballet? So... Uh, not the original, but the remake certainly does. Yeah. Okay. Any, yeah. any thoughts on that? Um, we talked about the witchy episode. Mm-hmm. It's grotesque and awesome. Cool. Um, yeah. I, is it like the, the stars are, are dancing? Quote unquote? I mean, I don't know. Right now. I know. Um, it's just curious. Um, so, okay. If there's nothing else, I would like to move on to jazz slash Broadway, which again, got to a few of these already. We did get to a few of these. So I have like a Fosse subsection here. Um, we mentioned the pajama game, we mentioned sweet charity cabaret cabaret is another big one. Um, Liza Minnelli, I think is yeah. a great vehicle for the Fosse Verdon style. She's cause she's so unique and just like really exemplifies that. Um, Damn Yankees is another one, um, which actually has Gwen Verdon in it, I believe. Hmm. Um, I've never seen. I've seen that. I've seen that on the stage. 
oh. back in in St. Louis when you could uh, St. Louis great musical theater uh, uh, city by the way, uh, um, but they have the the Muni every summer where there's free seats at the back. Uh, oh, if you want to sit very far away, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I've I've seen many musicals there when I was a broke uh, teenager uh, for for free, including. Uh, at one point, I think going to see a chorus line like three times in a week. <laughs> yeah, because it's good. Um, but then also, we would be remiss not to mention All That Jazz, which is his kind of semi-autobiographical movie. Um, I would say very autobiographical well, movie. <laughs> um, his, the, his, the, the surrogate character for him is played by Roy Scheider, who notably doesn't dance in the movie. Um, they weren't even going to try to pretend he could dance. Yeah. Um, but he plays a choreographer, so it's fine. Um, there's a lot of great numbers in that. There's one where it's like, it's a piece he's supposed to have choreographed and it's very fossy. Um, it's just all these people in like slinky leotards, like pretending they're on a sexy airline. It's weird <laughs> when I say it like that, but it's good. Most fossy numbers are weird when you say them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just sexy airline. Um, there's also a cute number with his girlfriend, his girlfriend and his young daughter. Um, where they're just kind of like, you know, goofing around with top hats and canes. And then there's a big blowout number at the end when he ascends to heaven. Would that be the way to describe it? That would be a fair way to put it. Be a fair way to put it. Um, but yeah, great stuff. Great dancing. You look like you're dancing. Okay. No, I was just, um, uh, I, we're already past ballet. So uh, I was just looking at, oh, no, go back. Go I, back. I, I would, no, I, these aren't good. I just like out of curiosity, went to battleshipretention.com and searched for the word ballet and see what movies came up that, that we might've reviewed, uh, uh, including there was a terrible movie a couple of years ago about, um, uh, Rudolf Nureyev called the white crow. Uh, it was, oh, it was yeah. good, but there was also an animated movie called leap. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which, that, which gave us the Carly Rae Jepsen song "Cut to the Feeling." You took that right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Song. Not the same wording, but that's essentially <laughs> right. what I was going to say. Yeah. But anyway, back to jazz. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of. I mean, that's not all the Fosse movies, but again, very influential, very idiosyncratic. Um, the rest of these. Well, we touched on um, Young Girls of Rochefort earlier, but I'd like to elaborate on that. Um, it's a Jacques Demy musical from 1967. 67. Um, that has Gene Kelly, has an older Gene Kelly doing some dance numbers, but it also just has a lot of young, beautiful French people doing great dance numbers. Yeah, and I know this is something, David, you've talked about in the past with this movie, but there's a very charming imprecision to a lot of the dancing where like, I mean, especially Catherine Deneuve and uh, her sister's name, who I can never remember. Francois, Francois Dorlet, uh, who are very clearly not professional dancers and their capacity is somewhat limited, but to watch them kind of glide around the street and do these little hops and turns and spins with uh, various passersby is incredibly charming. Well, I think, I mean, you mentioned, Oh, Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, well, you mentioned the imprecision in the dancing, but one of the things that's always been very charming to me about that movie and a lot of older, uh, uh, like older musicals is that there's also a kind of imprecision to the camera because this is before you could do like the, you could actually like program camera moves in and, right. and, and um, uh, there is kind of a sense uh, if this isn't like uh, being, uh, you know, reaching a little bit, there's a kind of sense that, uh, that the camera is dancing with 
the, the, the dancers. And I, I feel like that when I'm watching young girls of Rochefort or other movies from that era, but especially that one, it, it sticks out to me. Yeah. And it doesn't shy away from its limitations. Uh, humble break i have been to rochefort uh and the town is not really one you would assume would be one for a big set of, series of dance numbers but the way they kind of turn its kind of alleyways into this like perpetual surprise of like there's a dance around every corner practically is really charming and i will say like don't sell it short there are numbers in that that have a ton of people that it's like yeah, a sure. wide angle and like yeah. they you know they brought in the pros like it's not just you know, these kind of charming amateur dancers. No, but um, I think a lot of the charm is in like, it still feels like it's being filmed in the, their backyard, sure, sure, even sure. though it's not, I mean, it's a fairly expensive movie. It was probably the most expensive of his career, but uh, it still has the feel of kind of a homemade movie. Yeah. But yeah, lots of different dancers in it, lots of different dance styles. Very good stuff. Um, we touched on West Side Story as well. Again, Jerome Robbins, one of the greats. Um, and that, again, has kind of a lot of different dance styles as well. Yeah. Um, uh, and then this is a random one, but some of these just kind of pop into my head because we saw them recently. Um, I recently saw She's Gotta Have It for the first time, the Spike Lee joint, the very first mm. Spike Lee joint. And completely divorced from the plot, really. So the movie's in black and white. There is an extended sequence in color of these two dancers doing a beautiful duet out in a park. Like the context is that one of the characters like takes his girlfriend and he's like, I have a surprise for you. And then this dance happens again, not very integral to the plot, but I was just watching it and I was like, well, isn't this lovely? <laughs> it is lovely. Just lovely. Um, I, I love that. Um, Tyler and I have actually talked about doing an episode on movies where you don't expect there to be a musical or dance yeah. number. Um, the ladies man has a great big uh, uh, sort of, yeah ballet type thing uh, a personal favorite of mine is um uh, a lifeless ordinary where uh, they suddenly they're doing they're singing karaoke to beyond the sea and it starts as a real karaoke song but it is a scene but then at a certain point it turns lighting changes their costume changes and they're dancing all across this like uh backwoods roadhouse type bar uh to be on the sea with a full band it's a great sequence oh. Well, hopefully we don't step on your toes too much because I did include some of those types. Uh, we, we probably won't um, do it. Tyler and I talk okay. about doing episodes all the time. We never get to <laughs> That's it. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. But yeah, and she's got to have it. Like I looked up who these dancers are. There's not really much information on them, but it is kind of like, you know, a modern jazz style. It's like a love duet. And I was just like, well, this is lovely. Um, at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, I didn't really know what category to put this in because in many ways it's unclassifiable. The motion picture Cats. So Cats actually, they created a character for the movie because it's even more insane without it. They basically created an audience surrogate character because in the stage musical, all the cats are like talking directly to the audience. Um, so instead of doing that, they created a surrogate character that all the cats explain themselves to. Oh, so um, this is like the Michael Douglas character in the movie version of a chorus line, which is not yeah. a good adaptation if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, and they cast a professional ballerina for that. So she does some ballet stuff and there's some tap and there's some jazz. But the problem, and again, Cats is just, it's a trip. I recommend it because it's unclassifiable. The problem, though, is it has what I call kind of the weightlessness problem when you do mocap, where the resulting characters often seem like they don't weigh anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm watching these ungodly cat-human hybrids dance, and it's like, 
I'm like, that's actually impressive dancing, I think. But because it's an unholy human cat hybrid that looks weightless, you lose the effect. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. I was like, I think I can pick out some good dancing in here, but it's just buried under these terrifying, terrifying CGI. Um, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of a shame. Um do you have anything else for the genre? Again, I know these genre classifications. I, yeah, that's the, my problem is that I don't know enough yeah, about what counts as as uh, jazz and and Broadway. I mean, take a swing if you want. I mean, <laughs> I guess the one thing I'll mention that's kind of bridging the gap, not certainly not ballet, probably not jazz Broadway, but there's a great genre genre movie called uh, French Can Can where uh, Jean Gabon tries to bring the can-can to France. Apparently it's very scandalous in the context of this film, uh, but it's all building to a nine minute scene at the end of people, of this massive crowd doing the French can-can. And it is an absolute blast. It's just like as many people as they could pack in this gigantic dance hall, all doing the same dance, all this like confetti going everywhere and just this joyous celebration for nine straight minutes. It's the only good, and I want to get to this subject at some point, but like the idea of the dance party ending, uh, which is <laughs> a trope recently. But I guess I might as well just mention it now, just in stuff like Bridesmaids or Four Year Old Virgin or even Jojo Rabbit or more classy fare like Rushmore or Slumdog Millionaire. Just the idea that if you end up with a dance, everyone will let you happy. Uh, French Can Can does it better and right and uh, 70 years ago. <laughs> well, you should have saved this for my Can Can section. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, there, that reminds me, it's not, it's not the actual end of the movie, but um, uh, what's the Ernst Lubitsch um, movie that has the big Charleston competition in it? Um, you know? uh, so, si- Paris. so this is Paris. Yeah, that's a, uh, uh, a silent movie, but it essentially has a big musical number because everyone dances to Charleston. Yeah, I was trying to think of like silent dance movies and obviously what with them lacking a direct score is sometimes... Uh, wanting but that and another instance movie uh the oyster princess both have fantastic dancing in them i will say um some of the very first like moving pictures were of dance like um one of the things because like you know when cinema started there's like uh what can we film that's cool and one of what moves (laughs) what moves um and one of the things was actually folk dances um so there are a lot of folk dances from around the 1900s that are preserved in these like 10 second film clips from like thomas edison or whatever so that history of like dance and film does go back very, very far, even predating sound. So that's kind of cool. Um, but I think I was going to segue into, oh, go ahead. Well, so, uh, so what of the quintessential jazz movie, Damien Chazelle's La La Land? <laughs> is, is that um, jazz and Broadway dancing? Well, it, it does set me up to segue into, I didn't really know what to call this genre. I called it tap slash old-timey jazz i didn't know what to call basically the genre they do in musicals from the 30s to the 50s um hoofen hoofen sure whatever you want to call it Um, rug cutting rug cutting exactly (laughs) um but la la land i want to save for the homages subsection um okay a nightmare but uh so in terms of like classic musicals, right? The MGM musicals, the good shit, the pure uncut shit. Like I could go on forever. And we touched on some of these already, but like Singing in the Rain, like yeah. give it up for Singing in the Rain. And Singing in the Rain is one of those that like, not only is it a good movie in general to get people into old timey musicals, like pretty much anyone can watch and have a good time, but you could show someone any individual dance number from that movie. And they're like, Oh, I get why these were popular. I remember it long before I was into old movies. My grandma put on the make them laugh number, which obviously has some comedy in it and that helps, but the dancing is really what fascinated and captivated me. 
Yeah, and there's so much, even within the genre we will call hoofing, there, there is kind of different things in that. There's Make Em Laugh, which is a solo, very acrobatic number. Um, there's Good Morning, which is three of them doing it together. There's the titular number, which is very kind of romantic, like more languid um, one. And it's like, you know, even within that genre, you get kind of different types, which is cool. Yeah, for sure. Um, I heard a rumor that I didn't bother to fact check, but apparently Gene Kelly, kind of a hard ass shocker. And Debbie Reynolds, like, didn't really have much dance experience before this movie. Um, So she was trying to learn the routines and it was so hard and he would yell at her and she would like cry. And then one day, apparently, Fred Astaire found her crying and helped her learn it. So, good on you, Fred Astaire. See, well, he's just the best. <laughs> I'm assuming, like, on the lot, right? That's yeah, yeah. Um, and then also, that's the idea. I don't know if that, I don't know if that story is true either. But I like I think people like us who love old movies also love the idea of like the movie studio lot as a place oh, where oh, everyone yeah, just sure. went and, like clocked in at the beginning of the day and everything oh, yeah. everyone was in the same place and and yeah. you've got you know centurions and uh, uh spacemen uh crossing paths yeah, on, their, I mean, on their way to lunch i worked as a, a a tour guide of the paramount studios for two years so even now there's an element of that but like you know we learned the history and we'd give tours and explain it it was like that like these stars were just wandering around they were just kind of cross paths and hang out and like that sounds cool um but also on the town is another absolute all-timer um depending on the day i might say it's my favorite movie ever um but you touch on some of the things that's great about it like the location shooting and also we said like different skill levels um also it has ann miller like truly what more do you want (laughs) has ann miller it has vera ellen who has a ballet background um but it's it's just next level there's literally a dance number with ann miller about how let me tell me if i'm explaining this right she's talking about how great it is that primitive man used to be horny yeah that That's is, right. is that a fair synopsis? That's a fair synopsis. Because um, she's, she's a horny archaeologist, like I don't know how else to put it, who tap dances. It's just, what more do you want from a movie, honestly? Um, we talked about Give a Girl a Break um, and the bandwagon. Funny Face, we touched on a little bit. Um, that's not MGM, that's Paramount, but there is this famous number where um, Audrey Hepburn, clad all in black, goes to a beatnik cafe, as you do in the 50s. And it's just this like wild dance number where like she had about Audrey Hepburn had a ballet background as well, but this is not ballet. This is beatnik dancing, whatever you want to call that. But uses her very thin frame effectively. Uh, It kind of accentuating, not necessarily its beauty, but its strangeness. Yeah. Uh, And it, it, she doesn't have to look glamorous to still look great. And also, I mean, Fred Astaire is in that and he's much older and their age difference is, you know, not ideal, but he has a duet with Kay Thompson, who's not that well-known a name. She didn't do that much in film, but that's another amazing number where they're both singing and dancing. And it's kind of beatnik inspired, I guess. Um, oh, cause they're trying to pass as beatniks. Yeah. Um, and that's another <laughs> great number. Um, also back to MGM and American in Paris. It ends with a 17-minute ballet. Um, it's probably the best part of that movie. Yeah. That or Oscar Levant. Sure. Um, That's another whole, I, whole episode you could do, the, the quote-unquote like dream ballet uh, uh, yeah. sequence in, in various movies. Um, and we, we touched on It's Always Fair Weather, but yeah, there's great innovations to that, tap dancing and roller skates. Um, another gem we caught on TCM recently, it's called A Damsel in Distress, 
It's a Fred Astaire vehicle where his love interest is Joan Fontaine, and he dances alongside, and no, I'm not misspeaking here, George Burns and Gracie Allen. I had an amusement park, too. That number really works. Yeah. Two of them are really good. Joan Fontaine cannot dance. No, they, <laughs> they, they go through great pains to hide that she cannot dance. Yeah, they work around that in a big way. But, like, they keep up with him. Yeah, for sure. It's kind Burns of amazing. Burns and Allen's, yeah. It's kind of amazing because we're watching this and we, like, see the credits. We're like, well, that can't be right. Maybe it's <laughs> other one. No, it's them and they are tap dancing and they are fabulous. Um, so that's kind of an oddity I highly recommend seeking out. Um we talked about Kiss Me Kate. Um, we also on TCM, we caught a short. Like, I know it's kind of a slippery slope to talk about shorts, but I have to mention this. It's on YouTube in its entirety. It's 10 minutes long. It's a Vitaphone short. It's called Smash Your Baggage. And the premise is it's just Pullman Porter's dance to raise money. That's it. The dancing is some of the craziest shit I have ever seen in my entire life. It's from the 30s. Like, all black cast. All black cast because they're Pullman porters. And some of the things that were happening, like we used jaw dropping as an expression. My jaw literally dropped. I couldn't believe what was happening. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you want to spend a great 10 minutes, highly recommend that. It has kind of the similar energy to the dance number, the black dance number in Hell's a Poppin'. Yeah where talk about a number they probably could have just excised for the South. The main characters in the film just like, like what's going on in this room? And it's just like this black cast doing this unbelievable dance number that knocks the rest of the movie apart. Yeah. Um, and kind of has a similar energy in Smash Your Baggage. Yeah. But um, check that out. Pause the episode, go watch Smash Your Baggage, come back. Um, Welcome so back. I don't know if anyone, yes. <laughs> I don't know if anyone had any other like classic hoofing, hoofing movies. Um, nothing really noticeable. Um, so then I, the subset of that is homages to the classic hoofing style. Um, La La Land came up. Um, La La Land's great. I think the main, kind of the major dance number between the two leads is a tap duet. And tap, you can teach to inexperienced adults with a relative degree of success, but like that number is not difficult. It's fine. I'm not judging them, but they gave them something simple that they could learn that they could execute effectively. And it's very sweet and they have good chemistry. Yeah. Um, that's a, that goes a long way that they have good chemistry. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, there is also the number at the beginning though, which is professional dancers and that melts your face off. That's the big one on the freeway where they're all hopping on their cars and everything. Um, then there's also the one with her and her friends, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a the crazy amount of dancing. Yeah, but not as much. But yeah, I think Damien Chazelle is a fan of the genre. I think he, you know, like does homage to it very lovingly. And I think, I think you can tell when people doing that kind of homage clearly love what they're referencing. Oh, for sure. That's like, I mean, if anything, you can tell in La La Land, it's that. Yeah. And I think similar to Young Girls of Rochefort, which I know is a fan of, uh, the cast limitations in dancing, I, I think it's part of the charm, at least to me. Yeah. Um, on um, another end of the spectrum there is The Big Lebowski. <laughs> I was just reminded of this one today. They have essentially a Busby Berkeley number right For sure. in the middle of it. Well, sorry, it's a Busby Berkeley number combined with Jeff Bridges is just kind of shaking his thing. Yeah, because, I mean, when you just won an Oscar, why not throw some money at that? <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, and of course, they also did Hail Caesar, which has uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, the what is it? No dames? Is that the the big dance yeah, number? Right. Yeah, in Hail <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Channing Tatum, and that's I think that's a pretty direct on the town riff because yeah. they're all wearing sailor right, outfits. Right. Um, but yeah, that's another thing where it's like you can't get that right unless you know what you are referencing, and they made it good. Um, 
in a similar vein, Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein putting on the Ritz. Um, and that is even more specific because that is a Fred Astaire, like that is a Fred Astaire number. Um, they dress like him, they make the set look the same. And it's like, I think that's part of why it's funny is because it's so specific and because it's so loving. Um, apparently Gene Wilder really wanted that scene in there and Mel Brooks didn't. He's like, this will make it ridiculous. Like, I don't want this, but they filmed it. And then Mel Brooks was like, no, you were right. We absolutely needed this. <laughs> um, Another black and white one, The Artist, I was reminded, has a tap sequence. Um, apparently, um, Jean Dujardin and Bernice Bejo took tap lessons for five months. Um, again, I'm going to be an asshole. You can tell they didn't have prior experience, but it's still very good. It's still very charming. Yeah, when I hear that an actor like took tap lessons for five months, I'm like, like eight hours a day? Or like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, what does that mean for five months? The first lesson was in October and the second was in March. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But it is one of those things like so many different types of skills, the older you are, the harder it can be to learn it from scratch. Um, I think, again, tap is one of maybe the easier ones to pick up. But it, the thing that tips me off is in the upper body language, because a lot of times in tap, you're not given as explicit of instructions of what to do with your upper body. And the professionals keep their upper body engaged um, and people learning it new don't as much. Um, but again, they did a very good job. It's a very fun sequence. Um, why, why wasn't that my pandemic hobby, my quarantine hobby? Why didn't I take up tap? Learning tap? I, I guess mean, I still got time. Plenty of, We're, I was yeah, say, plenty of pandemic. Oh, you got time. Yeah. You got time. Um, I can teach you what I remember from seventh grade over okay. uh, Zoom <laughs> if you're interested. Okay, that's how we'll do it. Um, yeah, it'll be great. Um, also the cotton club. It's another good one with the inimitable Gregory Hines. Um, we recently, another one where the dance numbers are definitely the best part of the movie. Yeah. We recently saw cause like Coppola recut it or it was his director's cut or something. Yeah. And that came out recently. Um, the issue with my, with the movie is that I think he focused too much on the less interesting storyline. Yeah. <laughs> cause the Gregory Hines storyline is so much more interesting and he's dancing and it's sensational. Um, and they just don't give him as much time. Yeah. They just spend more time with Richard Gere and all love to Richard Gere, but no, not as into it. Um, but that takes place in the, is it the twenties? Yeah. In the twenties. So there it's kind of this like um, underground club with this kind of more vaudeville style of entertainment, but it has these great, numbers in it um also pennies from heaven um is an 80s movie with steve martin and bernadette peters that is another very loving homage to the 30s um with the exception that it's dark um it's kind of a they take the kind of sunshininess of that era and kind of put a dark undertone which was to it. not uncommon at the time that's true but darker than the 30s could get away yes, with for sure that's what they're trying to do um but the numbers are incredible because, you know, Steve Martin can dance, um, Bernadette, Bernadette Peters too, and they have these big production numbers with a ton of people. But there's also a Christopher Walken tap dance striptease, which is incredible. <laughs> that's another one that like, we forget he's a dancer, but he's a dancer. Um, yeah. A lot of people know him from the, the Fat Boy Slim music video, Weapon of Choice, but this, this is way better than that. Like, look again, look it up on YouTube. It's a deranged tap dance striptease from a young Christopher Walken that is sensational. Um, uh, did you have, uh, uh, speaking of dark homages, darker homages, do you have uh, New York, New York on your uh, oh, homages I list? Uh, I um, 
yeah i hadn't thought of it until uh well actually i thought of it when i was thinking about when i mentioned the um the quote-unquote dream ballet because it has a very oh, similar sure. uh one because i saw la la land before i'd ever seen new york new york and i realized watching new york new york like it's the same the premise of the dream ballet is like the same it's like yeah. here's how our relationship could have been different uh and could have gone better it has the same uh the same premise and i uh uh uh, but yeah, it's, uh, in La La Land, you're sad. They don't end up together in New York, New York. You're <laughs> relieved for her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Freaking time. yeah. Uh, I want to mention a few homages. Definitely want to get on my, uh, French new wave bullshit and mention Godard with a woman is a woman and band of outsiders. Uh, oh, right. Well, I had band of outsiders in a different section. Oh, we, we, Christ. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so Anna Karina was a huge fan of old MGM musicals. And so she, any chance she could get to dance in a movie, she would take it. And she very much drives a woman as a woman. It's another one of those where it has the charm of kind of the amateur styling yeah. and her, just her enthusiasm for it is really what carries it. And then, I mean, Band of Outsiders, that's such an iconic moment that- They do the Madison. Yeah, which was really all her doing. She kind of wrangled it together. She got the two guys- together to choreograph it and they just worked on their off hours Godar was almost not involved at all and now it's like the most famous part of that movie yeah uh also in the homage category speaking of darker 30s uh ken russell's the boyfriend oh, which is just a non-stop like it's busby berkeley on acid acid would be great maybe cocaine at some point <laughs> it's completely insane and it goes on and on and on and just gets bigger and bigger and bigger for two hours and 15 minutes and you would think it could lose interest at some point, but it just gets bigger and weirder. And I don't know why anyone would okay its production, but I'm so glad they did. Um, another kind of French New Wave director, this was much later in the 90s, uh, Jacques Rivet's Up, Down, Fragile. He is kind of an homage to, well, specifically, it's kind of an homage to Give a Girl a Break, but kind of those MGM musicals that weren't the big A musicals, but they had the back lot, so they made them. Uh, it's just about these three girls going about their lives and has some incredible dance photography. It's they like, I think very Jacobet style, there's this like nightclub that keeps drawing people near and seems to be open all hours of the day where people just show up and start dancing. Uh, it's super engaging to watch. And it's a musical, but its first musical number doesn't come until like an hour and a half into it. Uh, but there's all this dancing throughout and then all of a sudden people start bursting into song. Uh, it's a super awesome movie that I hope someone really restores someday because it's really hard to find right now. Uh, I think that's all I have for kind of those homages, but I'm sure think okay. something later. Um, so the next one I have is, I call it hip hop slash street slash dance teams. Um, this is where we get served. This is where we get served. I saw you got served in high school. And it's all right. I saw, I saw it in college. I don't Did you remember. not feel adequately served? We felt adequately served. The funniest part to me is there's a uh, little kid in the movie, and the second he came on screen, one of the guys I was watching was like, that kid's going to die. <laughs> and sure enough, like an hour and 20 minutes into it, it gets shot. What? I wonder if that guy had seen the movie before and was just being a dick. I don't think so. He, no? was, he was so amazed he was right. Oh, and okay. He, I mean, if he was, he was selling it. Okay. Good for that guy. Um, David, have you been served? I saw, I saw you got served. I don't remember it very well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's all... Also, um, we touched on it earlier, but Climax um, from, I guess, last year? Two years ago? Uh, 2018. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, I saw mean, it. At, I don't remember when it came out. 
in the U.S. I saw it in Toronto in 2018. Well, oh. we saw it at Beyond Fest that same year. So uh, okay. And uh, well, my flight home from Toronto, Sophia Batella was on my flight. She so was I, at our screening. She though. was at our screening. Oh man! All right. Someone asked her some super condescending questions. Oh, they sure oh. did. Oh, um, I saw it at that's midnight. A great dance movie. There was also um, a great midnight movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, Gaspar Noé is known for being a, a provocateur, a shitster. Like, his movies are designed to make you uncomfortable. But I will say, he understood that the dancing in this movie had to be legit. And it is. Well, and it really, like, it plays off its strengths in a lot of ways of the limits people's bodies can be stretched to yeah. and people physically physically expressing a kind of horror and anguish and the way he ties that in with dance as the movie progressive is really effective yeah i mean for those who don't know the very loose plot it's um a dance group a dance team they're like at some kind of remote location i yeah. guess and they're having a party and then someone puts like spikes the punch with something real bad and they all just kind of go insane um so it does kind of like the dance becomes crazy because they're going crazy. So it's like they use their bodies to indicate this kind of mental and physical decay. But at the very beginning, before they all go crazy, there's just a number and it's hmm. incredible because he hired dancers. Um, he hired, and there's like a dozen of them. At more. least, yeah. But this number is amazing. And also I saw someone on Twitter set it to the Jellicle Cat song, still amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> highly recommend. Um, but yeah, Sophia Butella is kind of the lead if there can be considered one. Um, and like I said, she had a dance background, which she draws from, even though she's more known as an actress now. Um, but he did bring in a choreographer in addition to the dancers. And it's just, it's a really great dance movie. Yeah. And, and also an insane, people going insane. Yeah, and I, I love that movie Torturing all the audience, yeah. but it is a very, very legit dance movie. Yes, so. we, we all love that movie much to Gaspar Noe's chagrin. He was, yes. he was apparently very upset that critics liked that movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that tracks for Gaspar Noe. Yeah. Um, on a completely different note, um, I recall that the movie Trainwreck actually ends in a kind of climactic dance moment. Um, Can't say as I recall. Huh? Can't say as I recall. Um, well, basically, it's like uh, Amy Schumer's character, her boyfriend is like, um, uh, he does like sports medicine for right. an NBA team. And so to win him back as a big gesture, she does a routine with the cheerleaders, I think, or the dance team. Um, and she's not supposed to be very good at it but she gives it her all um so that's i don't know if that ties into the dan big dance at the end or you were talking about a dance party at the end that's close that's close um dance is a big gesture yeah. maybe be a d different category oh um, like uh heath ledger in uh 10 things i hate about you yeah uh, sure. starring national treasure julia styles um <laughs> A, another one completely different than that is this short, like, weird little indie movie called The Fits from a few years ago, um, where it's basically about, are they in high school or middle school? I think middle school. Middle school dance team of girls that all just kind of start going insane and fainting for no reason. Um, it's very hypnotic and weird. Um, it is definitely not like you got served energy, <laughs> um, but it's just kind of using, I think it was based sort of on a real incident, but just using the idea of like dance team as weird hive mind, um, which is kind of interesting. Um, 
I'd admit I have not seen as much of the genre as I would like. Um, a lot of them came out in the early aughts, and I don't know what I was doing, just rewatching Center Stage, I guess. Um, but if any of you have any others you want uh, to add. I have only seen one Step Up movie, the most recent theatrical feature, Step Up All In, uh, which I specifically saw because it was in 3D and had 3D dance. And they should have made more 3D dance movies because mm. uh, it's pretty freaking awesome. Uh, I mean, it's exactly what you would expect. It's all those... I mean, they used to cut more trailers like this, where it's like, these dance moves have not been sped up, but it's like people are <laughs> moving at these incredible speeds, doing these ridiculous body contortions, uh, and all in unison. And I think there's like a tower that they're jumping up on down on the end with all this confetti. Wonderful 3D experience. Uh, I, I wish I had a 3D TV just for those kind of movies. I think they did at least two in the series in 3D. Oh, they did more than two. Oh, okay. I think like three through six were all, oh, okay. I think it's four, four of the movies were all in 3D. I didn't realize there were six of them. There's actually a seventh that was direct-to-video. Mm-hmm. But the first six all have like a continuity in them. There's enough shared... It's like the yeah. Fast and Furious movies. There's just like shared cast members that kind of dive in and out of the series. I love those uh, those those series that go on unendingly in direct-to-video <laughs> releases. Yeah, you know, right. there's, uh, I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, like a year or so ago, uh, Jarhead 4 came out on TV. <laughs> I always forget that's a series. That beloved franchise. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any other hip hop slash street slash? This is definitely a weak uh, weak spot for me. I don't. Uh, I mentioned you got served. I mentioned Save the Last Dance. Yeah. That's uh, about all I can think of. All right, we're gonna pause. We're gonna watch the entire Step Up franchise. We're gonna come back. <laughs> and we're back. That yeah, was fun. We're back. Um, my next category, there's probably a better word for this. I'm not sure what it is. Popular slash social dancing. Like the kinds of dance that a lot of people know that are very culturally relevant. Re- relevant. Rel- relevant. <laughs> yeah, are you um, talking about the part in Richard Jewell when they do the Macarena? <laughs> yes. I mean, honestly, the Macarena <laughs> would count. It's that kind of thing. Landmark of the genre. Landmark of the genre. Um, but I think a real landmark of the genre is Saturday Night Fever which has a reputation as being very silly, but honestly, it slaps. It kicks ass. And, it's yeah. good. And it's not I, a cheery, not a cheery movie. No. no. And I think yeah. it's like, disco has become such a joke, but it's like, listen, I wasn't alive for it. I can't speak to it personally. But when you really get submerged in the culture, the way this movie does, it seems cool. Like, I get it. Well, and also more recently, people have kind of, come to realize that a lot of the hate for disco was just white men and just trying to dismiss black and queer and uh, yeah. female culture. Yeah. Uh, and so there's been a lot of reason we claiming disco and rightly so. But yeah, the dancing in that movie is very legit. And like, I, I kind of had come like John Travolta. I kind of knew like from some other things and I'd probably seen Greece, but then I saw this and I was like, I get it. Like, I get his whole deal now. And it's not that I disliked him before, but you watch that and you're like, oh. That's a star. That, yes, I understand now. And, like, he can dance, you know? And, yeah, it's even just the famous Stan Alive thing with him just walking down the street. Like, yeah. you can see why that captivated a generation. He's so captivating to watch physically. Yeah. Did you, this is... This is uh, going off topic, but you mentioned Grease and, and Saturday Night Fever. Those were... Two of the three movies John Travolta made with his original uh, three-picture deal with Paramount. Have you seen the third? Uh, uh, No, have I? uh, It's where he um, uh, has an affair with Lily Tomlin. 
uh, moment moment by moment or moment to moment? Oh uh, no, I have not. It's not great, but it's a really interesting pairing, and also sure. a lot of uh, you get a lot of really great, uh, very specific. Um, I'm, you know, I love Los Angeles uh, recent history, so you get like late '70s Hollywood and late '70s like uh, like uh, Sunset Plaza type of uh, area. So, yeah, uh, not a bad movie. Okay. Right on. But also okay. just a nice trivia question: What's the third? Sure. John Travolta signed sure. a three-picture deal. What's the third <laughs> one? Um, and then also can't mention that without mentioning the riff of it from Airplane, where they do a parody of the Stan Alive number that in typical Zucker Abrams fashion escalates to literally ridiculous heights. Um, he like throws her up into the ceiling and, yeah. you know, very silly. Um, but I think that's maybe another one where they do recreate it very closely. And I think there is a degree of affection there. Sure. Um, Yet another riff on Saturday Night Fever is, this is probably my deepest cut of the night, um, a 90s Singaporean movie. Called seen it. Seen it. You have seen it. Okay. Yeah. Um, ultimately called Forever Fever or That's the Way I Like It. Would you yeah. like to elaborate on this strange premise of a movie? Uh, it's about, um, uh, it takes place in Singapore in, I guess, shortly after Saturday Night Fever uh, yeah, in the came uh, and uh, there's a, a young man who's obsessed with Saturday Night Fever. He ends up joining a good dance class, and there's he has a rival. He's like likes the girl, but she's with the rich kid in the in the class. But uh, what I most remember is that there's a kind of like how in True Romance there's an Elvis played by Val Kilmer who yeah. talks to to uh, to to Christian Slater. He has there's a John Travolta who who shows up throughout the movie. Uh, and, yeah, and I was asking Scott, I'm like, what's the word for when there's a character who's not <laughs> real, but he's not a hallucination and it's not weird. He's like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a, the spirit of John Travolta, shall we yeah. say, um, not literally played by John Travolta, played by some other guy, um, guides him through his disco journey, I guess. Yeah. Um, no, I think I watched this movie after because um, I think they mentioned it in Shirkers, which is uh, a really great Sing Singaporean documentary uh, about a Singaporean movie. And they talk about how few how few Singaporean movies there have been. And that's one that yeah. you can actually like find, you know, you can you can rent it on demand or stream it or whatever. Yeah, so, I was reading that, it. Was that's why I watched it. Internationally successful Singaporean movie because it got picked up by Miramax. Um, which kind of gave it a broader audience. But yeah, it's very charming. I actually yeah. watched it for an Asian cinema class in college. And I think it was the only movie we watched that wasn't either super depressing or super terrifying and gross. Um, so I have fond memories of it. Um, also in this genre, Footloose. Of course, oh, right. Both, of both course. Looses. Both Footlooses. Footlease. Footlease. <laughs> really? Is that, I, I feel like... Um, I never saw the the the, the remake, but um, Natalie and I, I Natalie and I were just talking about the remakes that you forget about. That like, if I if I say Total Recall, no one goes which one. Like you know that yeah. I'm not talking about the Galvatore Gal <laughs> movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all the Paul Verhoeven yeah. remakes. Um, uh, yeah, remember they remade Point Break. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, yes. Um, but yeah, I would have put Footloose in that category, but you, uh, you actually saw I, it. Is it any good? I did see it. I saw it because I was working at Paramount at the time and I worked a screening of it. So I was like, okay, I can sit in the lobby for two hours or I can watch the damn thing. Um, 
It's fine. I mean, it probably doesn't stand up to the original. Um, the dancing is good because, again, they cast dancers. And I remember they, they cast a guy who hasn't really done anything since, but he's from Boston and he has a very heavy Boston accent, which they did not hide in the movie. And the line that he says over and over, or not over and over, but they played the trailer a lot. And the line that he dramatically says in the trailer is this is our time so now whenever i see the words our time i hear it in his voice which was very unfortunate i was trying to tell you about the very moving and slightly depressing press we got us movie our time i can't i'm so it's, i'm just ruined but it's like that movie has maybe had a bigger impact on my life than anyone else's because of this but i do remember you know there's the famous scene i think it's in the original as well where it's, it's like he's just dancing alone in like a barn or something. Yeah. And that's very good. But like, that's what they cast this guy for. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, the premise of it kind of becomes harder to sell as time goes on. <laughs> so, you know, it was set in modern day and it's like, eh, okay. Oh, really? Um, do you remember, uh, speaking of homages, as we were earlier, do you remember the flight of the Concords homage to Footloose, the episode where Brett McKenzie angry dances? No. No. Yeah, he like at one point early in the episode, he talks about like all the different kind of dancing that he likes to do, and at one point he mentions angry dancing, and then later in that episode, he does a full on like angry <laughs> dance in the barn barn homage yeah, to Footloose. Amazing. What a good show! Amazing. Yeah. Um, I'd also have to include the time warp from Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, I'm Just watch that. Uh, that was oh, yeah? one of uh, one of me and Natalie's Halloween picks because okay, we, we, we watched the conjuring because she'd never seen it okay. and the but the agreement was to watch the conjuring earlier in the night so that we can have a non-scary palate right. cleanser after mm -hmm. so uh we finished we followed the conjuring up with rocky horror pictures so that was how we closed out halloween okay. uh, I, I love, uh oh it's so great it's so great sure yeah i'm not sure if i've seen it in its entirety but i've seen the time warp because i actually learned the time warp at my dance studio so I think I have performed the time warp, but maybe not seen the whole movie. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think um, you were talking about Saturday Night Fever and the things that people like don't give movies credit for. And I think Rocky Horror Picture Show, show is known for a lot of things. But like, as Natalie pointed out when the movie was over, she was like, the songs are all just really good. Like in addition yeah. to all the like crazy stuff and the queer stuff and, and, and everything like that, um, all the songs are just really good. Yeah. Um. Also kind of in a similar vein, um, Hairspray, both of them. Um, it's about integrating whatever we call this social dancing or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the dance thing is really good and, you know, really evocative of an era. But then also, at least in the remake, really heightened, I think. Like they brought in some people who can like really dance to kind of amp up some of the dancing. Um, John Travolta's also, in that one, too. He is. Sure is. I sure forgot that. Is. Um, I didn't really know where to put this one. This could kind of go in a bunch of different categories, but um, Bye Bye Birdie. Um, Which I am a big old fan yeah. of. I just saw it for the first time. Really good. It seems like you have things to say. Oh, well, I have not I mean, seen I it see since it. high school. You, it, you owe yourself a revisit. It, yeah, I remember liking it. I, I saw it like 10 years ago. And I was like, all right, it's pretty solid. And then we watched it in recent. I was like, no, this, this thing slaps. Uh, you highlight on your notes, I can see from here, uh, the lot of living to do number, which is like six and a half minutes of essentially just escalating diff a certain style of dance. And it really brings like all the characters in conflict and highlights really the, all that's going on in the story through dance. Um, and really highlights, especially Anne Margaret's, capacity both like 
technical capacity as a dancer and just charm as a dancer. She dances. I, we watched some other movie with her, I think. And I was like, Las Vegas. And I was like, Anne Margaret dances like a nut. And I mean that in a good way. Yeah. It's like, she seems completely out of control, yes. but also completely in control at the same yeah. time. It's so captivating to watch. And then there's also, I mean, at the beginning of Bye Bye Birdie, it's just her singing yeah. and dancing to the camera, which in turn inspired the opening credits of Do the Right Thing. Um, Spike Lee cited that as the direct mm. um, influence. Um, you guys yeah. are make, like, you guys have like recommended all kinds of movies I haven't seen, but you're also making me want to go back and revisit these movies that I yeah. liked as a as a kid. Bye Bye Birdie, West Side Story, I haven't seen since high school. Brigadoon, I probably haven't seen since high school. We didn't mention it, but Seven Brides or Seven Brothers, I used to like as a kid. Oh, I was about I, I, to. Okay, so I haven't seen that since even a long time ago. So Seven Brothers, for Seven Brothers is an interesting case because the actual movie is indefensible. It's a pro-kidnapping movie. I don't know how else to describe it. It's basically saying... I, I would also say that most of the movie is largely quite dull. Yeah, it's pro-kidnapping. It's basically saying these women are hysterical for being upset for being kidnapped. Like, to call it problematic is an understatement. It is just so, so uncomfortable. That being said... <laughs> There's a sequence in it called the barn dance yeah. that is off the goddamn chain. Yeah, that thing rocks. I watched it again on YouTube and I was watching it at the beginning. And I was like, I can't remember why I think this thing is unreal. And I'm like, oh, that's why. Because it starts as like an old timey kind of square dance. And it just escalates. It escalates into like gymnastics, basically. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a very masculine number. And we yeah. don't often think of dancing as being a very masculine activity, but it's like, it's a true lumberjack music number. It's lumber, yeah, because they have all these places. So something Eleanor Powell like could have pulled off. off, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Eleanor Powell could have been jumping on those, you know, beams of wood. But like, if you want to not be uncomfortable for two hours, just watch that scene on YouTube. It is a very good time. And they, they assembled like some of the best dancers at MGM at the time, which some of them weren't that famous and still aren't, but they were kind of steady, like background dancers for many years. Steady hoofers. Steady hoofers. Um, what else do I have here? Um, this is a more recent example, but Pedro Almodovar has made a lot of movies. Um, a less famous one, <laughs> but no less fun, is I'm So Excited from 2013, 15? Uh, 13 or 14. The 2010s. Yeah. Um, and it takes place almost entirely on a plane. And at one point, the plane is like having a technical problem. And the three male flight attendants want to distract the unhappy passengers. So they burst into a clearly preordained lip sync choreography to the titular song, I'm So Excited by the Pointer Sisters. And it's super fun. It's super campy, but it's also on a plane, which like probably not a real plane, but you don't get like a ton of music numbers on a plane. And that presents its own unique blocking challenges to say the least. But I think he really makes good use of the space and they're kind of like reclining the seats and like jumping over the aisles. So that one is really fun. Um, also, it's not, I don't know if it's social dance if you're doing it by yourself, but I didn't know how else to classify the climactic moment of Napoleon Dynamite. Sure. Um, which I watched again, and, you know, it's supposed to be kind of a funny scene. It's very unexpected. It's kind of outlandish. But then if you watch, like, how it's edited, you're not really supposed to laugh at him after the initial shock because it's like they they have a few reaction shots but for the most part it's two minutes of the camera on him having the time of his life and it's actually like very joyous and wonderful um i heard it was all improvised he just went for it <laughs> um which is cool but 
I know that movie doesn't have like the best reputation anymore, but I think that scene is a very good and pure dance moment. Sure. Um, I think that's all I want to call out in this category. Okay. Yeah, um, we've been we've been going for quite a while. Here, I okay. just realized. Okay. Um, well, I don't have that much more. Yeah, you can blast through your last year. Yeah. Um, well, I wanted, but I, I, I you know, when I. I forgot for some reason, I guess just because it's European, uh, I'm so excited. It reminded me uh, in homages, I maybe should have mentioned Eight Women, uh, Francois Ozon's oh, uh, yeah. musical with uh, Catherine Deneuve and uh, who else is in that? Um, Isabelle Huppert. Isabelle Huppert, uh, but also what's her name? Uh, Ludivine Sanier, right? Uh, is the younger uh, just woman. Just name all the French uh, Fanny <laughs> Ardant. Yeah. Fanny Ardant, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I remember that being a good movie. Um. And, well, I can go a little out of order to segue um, into another category because of Pedro Almodovar um, in kind of the modern dance category, the more kind of out there interpretive um, in arguably his masterpiece, Talk to Her. Um, One of the characters is a ballerina. And um, there's a scene where they actually go see a Pina Bausch piece performed. Um, And it's, it's a real piece by her. She's a famous choreographer and they perform it. And it's very kind of weird and out there. And if you're not used to her style it seems a little odd but it is cool that he just like sets aside part of this movie to just have that piece of hers um similarly there's a whole documentary about pina bausch called pina in which mm-hmm. 3d dance yeah it's in 3d and it's mostly just dancers recreating her pieces like out in the world right yeah um so that's pretty cool um and then also kind of the modern dance in francis ha um the titular character is a dancer which they don't harp on that much no um except to rip off leos karak's mave song uh because in francis ha there's this part where she like jumps around the street dancing to modern love by david bowie which is exactly what happens in mave song only it's uh didn't live on and it's so much better (laughs) (laughs) um do you sorry you blew past pina too uh too quickly for me to mention there's also um There's another, there's, uh, I haven't seen it though. I have the DVD. There's a Chantal Ackerman documentary about Pina Bausch as well called, <laughs> called one day Pina asked, or apparently also called on tour with Pina Bausch. Yeah. I saw uh, it. I was, I was assuming yeah. you had seen it, Scott. That's why I brought it's it been up. a while. Uh, but I remember it being very good and spotlights just as Pina does, uh, her talent. Um, and then I only have one in this category because I couldn't think of really many more off the top of my head in the cultural slash regional category. I don't know if this film is technically from this year or last year. Who knows? Time is irrelevant now. Um, But the Georgian film, And Then We Danced. This was on my top five at the mid-year. Yeah. And this is Georgia, the country. Um, So if you took Call Me By Your Name and set it at a Georgian dance academy, that gives you kind of a sense of it. Um, it's a very sweet queer love story, but it also has some bitchin' Georgian dance in it. For sure. Which I can really only describe as like, it's what you think of as Russian dance, kind of. Um, mm-hmm. But it's set at like this prestigious academy. Um, and it, yeah, it's really good. I mean, if you talked about it at length before, yeah. I won't go too deep. But um, yeah, very good, very interesting look at a culture that I had no familiarity with. Um, then... Just a few more here, unless, you know, stop me at any moment if you want. Um, but just a couple I want to call out in the ballroom slash Latin category. Um, dirty dancing, y'all. 
Yeah, I mean, not a great movie, but the dancing is pretty great. You just made so many enemies. I was gonna uh, including it. among me. Dirty Dancing is a recent, uh, or by recent, I mean since the quarantine started, which means it could have been like uh, five months ago or two days yeah, ago yeah. without nothing. But uh, I rewatched Dirty Dancing for the first time in forever, and uh, yeah, you're wrong. I fell in love with it. It's uh, uh, that that's uh, uh, that movie. Not only the dancing is fantastic, but the whole movie uh, is so. Uh, uh, alive and uh, interested in every moment. Watch if you watch it again. Watch. There's not a single wasted extra like in the entire movie. Like uh, uh, everything that's that's happening is filling in part of the 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 detail and the and the uh, ecosystem of this uh, of this resort. Um, and as we talked about with Hollow Land, you can't deny chemistry. Um, their their chemistry is is fantastic, and uh, it also is. I'm not really comparing the movie itself to uh, Lost in Translation, but the idea of two people who were both like away from home, you know, mm. uh, uh, coming together um, uh, and 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 bonding that 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 sort of experience you know like your summer camp romance or whatever that sort of thing it tends to intensify those kind of feelings and i feel like dirty dancing uh encapsulates that uh pretty well so um yeah i'm one of the one of the enemies you you made scott because i think that movie's uh, a masterpiece i will say though the dancing is incredible no argument there i think they both do an amazing job and i think the finale is very effective you know emotionally and both like how they use dance for emotion um and Another example of using dance for emotion is the climactic dance ending of Silver Linings Playbook, um, which I realized like that movie kind of tricked me in a way because I saw it a couple times. And the first time I saw it, I was like, wow, this number's incredible. Like great job to Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper for learning this very complicated number. And then the second time I saw it, I was like, oh, this isn't hard. This is a very simple thing they learned, but the, it's so emotional that you don't notice. Like, so that's another way sometimes they can kind of mask like a lack of experience or skill is tying it into the emotional crux of the movie. And I think it does that very effectively. Um, not knocking them. They did. Okay. It's just, it's not yeah. that complicated, it's, but it's cinema and action cinema and action. Um, and then ending on maybe a controversial one, who knows I'm including stripping because oh, you, think- Oh, okay. Um, you did skip over. You had ballroom on here. Did we talk about? Uh, I guess you just talked about ballroom. We just talked. About um, uh, go, go ahead. But you skipped over. Um, I haven't seen. No, I. Uh, I think I did see the American remake, but I don't remember very well. But shall we dance? Which is a Japanese movie. I think is that right? Is it Japanese? Uh, maybe. Uh, anyway, but uh, and then they remade it here with Richard Gere and who? Jennifer Lopez. Is that right? That's what I was that thinking. Right. Yeah. But the original is very good. I don't know uh, okay. if you guys have, have, have seen it, but that's a good uh, uh, ballroom movie. Um, and then also there's uh, Strictly Ballroom, the Baz Luhrmann uh, joint, which is... Ah, never seen it. Oh, well, I love Baz Luhrmann. I'm a, I'm a big Boz head. Uh, uh, I'm a, two things you know about me. I'm a Nev head. I'm a Boz head. <laughs> Uh, when will those Both two work together? Like slurs somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Strictly Ballroom is awesome. Okay. Um, I feel like I took too hard and sudden of a pivot into stripping, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we all have bills. You know, you know. Um, but I don't think all stripper movies count, but I think the ones I'm going to mention 
it is very dance-like stripping. Um, Hustlers, for sure. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez going to town on that pole. That is dance. I don't care what anybody says. For sure. Um, that It's incredible. It's very athletic. It's very graceful. And then I would be remiss not to mention the Magic Mike franchise. Well, especially the second one. I mean, I think the first one's a stronger movie overall, but the dancing in the second one is really exciting, exceptional, really helps tell the story. Uh, the climax of the blast. It's just a good time all around. Yeah. I just can't wait for Magic there. Mike's three through six in 3D. <laughs> that's, that's something uh, looking forward to. At some point, can, direct a video. We can only dream. But that's kind of one where Channing Tatum was a dancer and, in fact, a stripper. And they he kind of became molded into an actor over time. Um, so then he was kind of in a good place when he started in these movies that he can essentially do both at this point. Um but then you also have Joe, I don't know how to say his last name, Mangiello. Yeah, like, I can't You know remember. who I'm talking about. The Sofia Vergara's boyfriend, whatever. Um, but I think especially <laughs> in the second one, the scene where he dances to I Want It That Way in the convenience store, so good, so pure. Um, do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? For yeah, for sure. Um, he's like trying to make the clerk smile. Yeah. And so he just... He, he like goes to the refrigerated section, like pours milk all over himself. Yeah. And she's like doing this big sexy dance in a convenience store, which is just so wonderful. It's awesome. So good. Um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. But oh, you had more? Oh, no. I mean, I think you're at the end of your list. So I was just going to rattle off a few sure. real quick. Um, I mean, we certainly got to at least throw some love to Pulp Fiction, the dance mm-hmm. scene that, that defined a generation. Um Another one that's like probably not that hard to learn, especially for a couple of people who know how to boogie. Um, but it's so iconic and so mm. captivating. Um, and then a- another two-person kind of duet I wanted to mention is from the 1955 movie Picnic. Um, William Holden and Kim Novak, not dancers by any stretch, but there's this part in the movie where they kind of, the whole movie is kind of a loose romance between the two of them. And they finally start to come together at the titular picnic as the picnic winds down, they're both a little drunk and they start to glide towards each other. And it's very simple moves. It's just a lot of like slow swaying and hitting snap or yeah, snapping at the right moment. But it's, it's pretty hot stuff. I gotta say uh, in it's 1950s context, uh, it's gets pretty hot on the color. Oh, it's spicy. Yeah. It's spicy. All right. <laughs> um, uh, I should have been when you said, uh, uh, and then we danced, that should be another uh, not great dance movie, a great dance scene from the year in cinema 2020. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things has a whole yeah. big dance at the end. Yeah. That's practically like a whole act of the movie. Yeah. Great stuff. All right. Is that it? Did we do it? I think so. I think so. We have covered the entire history of dance with nothing left out. Well, I know people have been wanting Julie on the podcast, so unleashing her for two hours. Hopefully that'll (laughs) that'll sate their uh, That's enough. I'm never coming back, so this has to tide you over. Uh, No, you'll definitely be back. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Oh, thanks for having me to just ramble about my passions for two hours. What a dream. That's why people have podcasts. Honestly, some of my favorite episodes like this or like last year when we had Kyle Anderson on just to to discuss Giallo is just like, I don't have to do anything. I just have someone on who knows a lot about a certain type of movie and uh, let them them run with it. Yeah. Uh, So you can find us at battleshipretention.com this week. I should have reviewed by the time you're hearing this. uh, Andre Overdahl's Mortal and uh, the the uh, uh, Kevin Costner Diane Lane vehicle. Let him go. 
should have reviews up uh, on the site by the time you're hearing this. Uh, you can follow me. Uh, you can email me at David at You can follow me at Davey pretension on Twitter. Um, Scott, where can people find you if you want them to? Uh, oh, I sure do on Twitter at rail of tomorrow. Um, I'm also on letterbox pretty frequently. I've never really plugged that on the show and I actually don't know if I, what my username or something would be, but I imagine I'm pretty easy to find. Um, <laughs> And then, yeah, when, when I uh, have time and opportunity at Battleship Retention and Criterion Cast. And, uh, oh, yeah, including all your, we mentioned before, but all your AFI Fest reviews uh, yep. are out there. Uh, Julie, where can people find you, uh, again, only if you want them to? I do. Um, I'm on Twitter. I have an annoying username. Get a pen. Okay. It says no underscore says S-E-S-N-O underscore S-A-Y-S. Um, not tweeting as much these days because I'm, you know, the world is crazy, but trying to keep it light, trying to keep it fun. So, you know, doing what I can. Well, thank you again for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Hey, Steve Bannon has been permanently banned from Twitter. We'll get you next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.